nine o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, morning everybody. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Saturdays, Murph and Fred, 9 till Noon. Are we here till noon today, Fred? We're here till noon. Hey. And what's going on with these snowflakes? Is it no snow till tomorrow? I got an outdoor beer festival in Westmont to go to today. I can't be sitting here with be- with snow. I love. Hopefully, uh, it's not heavy snow. I love what I'm thinking, though. It's just lake effect. Yeah, right. I think that's probably it. Because it's sunny out. Just a little lake effect down here. Which is fine. Tomorrow they sit up to three inches. I won't worry about it tomorrow. <laughs> So. so about 12 inches of snow melted in two and a half days yeah. earlier this week uh, out by us. Wow, well, crew was crazy. It was just great. Thank goodness it didn't get too, too cold at that point because then everything would have been to ice. They uh, scared us about an ice storm where we yeah. really didn't see much of it, which was good. Well, uh, for me, great night last night, Fred. Want to hear from you. But uh, for me, a great night. The Bulls win and... It appears uh, no National League designated hitter for, well, at least a year or two or three. We'll find out. You guys are just putting off the inevitable. <laughs> it's coming. You get ready to welcome it because it's coming. Our uh, Twitter poll lines are wide open. Some questions that we'd love you to jump on right now at ESPN 1000. Or you're always welcome to vote live on the radio. Our famous phone number remains 332-3776, 332-ESPN, area code 312. And uh, before we get right into the uh, what made me so happy last night, and uh, Fred, the Bulls game a little bit different. We'll talk about that, but let's open up the Twitter poll lines like you do uh, uh, vote right now. Were you mad... The Bulls won last night. Yes or no? All right? That simple. Go. You can Very go to uh, at ESPN 1000 and vote on all of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. Or 3726. Three, three, mm-hmm. Were you mad the Bulls won last night? And uh, Miss Little Miss Lot, I listen all week long. And uh, oh, my gosh. I hate this. We hate that. Everybody's mad. Everybody's mad. Right. So you want the Bulls to lose. So what are you so mad about? That's what I heard all week. I know. So were you mad uh, the Bulls won last night? Oh, yeah, I'm angry as hell. I can't take it anymore. We need to to catch uh, New York, uh, Phoenix, uh, Cleveland, because, well, that's 14% of the ping pong balls. And right now the Bulls are sitting where they get 12.5% chance, right? right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right there and forth. That's like nothing. But then someone said yesterday, incorrectly, uh, mathematically, uh, arithmetically, uh, it's about a 10% difference between 12.5 and 14. 14, 10%, that's 1.4. Subtract that. You're right about, uh, you know, 12.5. What? So, (laughs) you're mad. I know you're mad. I'm happy. I'm happy with the way they played. They played great. It was fun to watch. And our next Twitter poll question would be, do you hope the Bulls win their next 10 in a row? Yes, sir, because I do. I hope they win 10 in a row. Okay. Then I want to hear everybody that called over the last week, you know, you imagine, Fred, how mad people are going to be if they can... Oh, they're going to be steaming. 
It's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> Look what you do. You can't do anything right. You can't lose right. You can't win right. What's yeah. going on? Three three two three seven seven six. I want to hear from you if you're mad or happy that the Bulls won last night. And also, do you hope the Bulls win their next 10 in a row? How can, you know, I'm a big Bulls fan. I hope they lose the next 10 in a row. See, it's, Fred, it's not in my DNA. No, well, here's here's what people want. They want the Bulls to play really, really well and then lose by a buzzer beater huh. every game. They want them to develop and, and play very, very well uh-huh. and click and everything yeah. else. And then at the end of the game, miss a layup that would have given them a one-point victory. See, I just can't. You know, root against the Bulls. I can't root against my favorite teams. I know that I'm the out-of-step guy. You just got to root for losses. I don't care. I can't do it. And you know what? Just because you get this guy, you get that guy, you get Zion Williamson, Zion, whatever you're calling him. You know what, Fred? You never know. The Philadelphia 76ers, they had the number one overall pick a couple years ago, whatever his name was. Markel Fultz, he's now down in Orlando. Right. You know, there's injuries. It doesn't work out. That's why why it's taken Philadelphia five to seven years developing to, uh, you know, to work in the, uh, um, you know, just through the draft. Now they picked up Tobias Harris. They've got Jimmy Butler. Uh, If they don't win this year, then what are they going to do? Those guys aren't going to be back next year. Then they're going to, where are they going to go? That was funny. You go. Yeah, I served five to seven in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah without a doubt. <laughs> that Philly fans feel that way, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right, three three two three seven seven six. Number one, were you mad the Bulls uh, lost last night? Love to hear from you. Or were you happy the Bulls won last night? Like Fred said, we'll get into the X's and O's in a moment because a lot going on on the floor. I heard something from Jim Boylan I never heard before, so I wanted to find out if you knew what it was. How about the Boylan cam? Did you happen to the uh, no, that last night? NBC no. Chicago Sports? I missed Jason Benetti's call of the game, which I heard was a great call. The Boylan cam? They zoomed right in on him a couple times on the Boylan cam. They had to change the filters probably to, <laughs> with the shine bouncing off his forehead. He looked good. He was. No, he always looks good. He had his face right there. Uh-huh. There's a the thing called a white balance on a camera. You got to watch that. Speaking of uh, Jason Benetti, so there was a uh, an occasion uh, during the game when. Did they do Bulls math? No. Okay. Just, I just was wondering. They deferred to you. Okay. And did not do it. I was wondering. The coin flip, and, and uh, they said, we win the flip, we defer to Fred. Uh huh. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Boylan. I don't want to say benched done, but he yanked him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's sort of a subtle difference. You bench a guy, that means he's done for the game or, you, you know, he's out for the doghouse. Well, he was in the doghouse, but it was a little one. But he Real did, short. He played 30 minutes. Yeah, he yeah. yanked him, though. He yanked him when uh, uh, he didn't get back on defense, and they yanked him. And that's what, I, you know, Boylan's going to do that. Maybe the players like it. Maybe they don't. So after he uh, yanked him, Jason Benetti, uh, well, so uh, Stacy King said, you know, you you, you got to get back on defense. Yeah. You know, Stacy is is terrific. Uh, Stacy with some pointed uh, stuff about uh, a big Felicio later also we'll talk about. But so so uh, Stacy says sort of innocuously, simply, you know, well, you know what? Uh, you got to get back on defense. Uh, and then Jason, I mean, doing his yeah. a great uh, follow up. He goes, well. You know, uh, you got to be ready. So, and then the same thing happens a little bit later. So now Felicio, uh, he, he fumbled or muffed, whatever you want to call it, three uh, uh, passes to him. Okay. Right? 
And Stacy finally says, you got to be ready. You know, yeah. meaning Felicia. Yeah. You got, you're in there. You're getting your, he was in there early because of foul trouble to Lopez. Right. And uh, so Stacy, you got to be ready. You got to be, I mean, Felicia, well, you get your chance. You got to go out there and show what you can do. And, you know, they're uh, making blind, one sort of blind pass to him. He wasn't ready. Another one, a bounce pass, you know, fumble that off. And uh, so after Stacy says, you got to be ready. You got to be ready when you get in the game. And uh, Jason Benetti says, well, uh, you know, what, what do you do? And Stacy says, well, you bench him if he's not ready. How do you get ready? Well, you bench him you if bench he's him. not ready. Yeah, you figure it out, yeah. Yeah, three three two three seven seven six. So tell me how... You watch the game, and Fred just had a great point a minute ago. So how do you watch the game and then root do you root against the team? Or like Fred said, you hope for a close game and then you you know you cough it up in the last minute? I'm not wired that way. I think I've, heard, I've seen uh, Sylvie. You follow <laughs> Sylvie on, uh, on Twitter, and Sylvie's all over usually. <laughs> I kind of figured after last night he had a couple extra glasses of wine on a Friday night because... Uh, Sylvie likes the Bulls to play well and then lose at the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, I understand the whole thing about wanting to get the high pick. I understand all that. I just have a hard time rooting for a team to lose. I'm not wired that. I can't. I can't yeah. do it. And 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 quickly, yeah. Major League Baseball is trying to work on getting rid of people that are tanking, uh, like the Astros and the Cubs, and maybe the White Sox and the Royals have mm -hmm. done by saying, "Listen, if you don't win a certain number of games over a couple of years in a row, penalize. we're going to take away. We're going to penalize instead of <laughs> the third pick in the draft." You got the 13th pick in the draft. How do you like it now? Well, you know what? Make a little note on your white pad. Uh-huh. So, so that we don't get confused. Over yeah, I always have a white one. Five, seven, uh, 72 years we've been together, Fred. I have the yellow pad. You have the white pad. Yep. But jot down there your relegation. I have a new idea. Oh, my God. No, it's no, the no. best. Yeah, but, I, but it, as you've pointed out, why in soccer it can work, or it does work, I should say. It should work in the NBA and baseball, but too. You pointed out why it may not be able yeah. to work, in, but I, I have a another angle on that. Okay. So, another thing. Now, and before we get to some of these subtleties, X's and O's from an exciting victory, in fact, the uh, Bulls, it was their highest uh, point uh, uh, total of the of season. Of the season. All year long, that's One, right. 125 to 106. So, Bulls detractors, and you know, all week long, you made your point. What do you say? I want to hear, I don't know if the excuse is the word, how do you rationalize it? I want to hear from Bulls detractors that want the Bulls to win every game. The trade was made. And now, I want to hear from you your reason or excuse. I'll use the word excuse. You can use your reason that the Bulls won last night. I can see them already. I got a few here. Well, you know, come on, Murph. It's, it's pretty evident. Brooklyn wasn't really ready to play because, you know, the Bulls were coming in with their uh, uh, 12 victories. You know, the, the, come on. It was a the Brooklyn Nets weren't ready. That's why the Bulls won. Or, they were 500 team or about, yeah. like, what were they, two games over 500 going into the game they, last night. They came in right. 29 yeah. and 27 yeah. coming in. But. Oh, come on, Murph. Hey, they're sixth, they're sixth in the East. I mean, they're going to the playoffs. They're they playoff weren't ready. Team. They yeah. didn't see it coming. Well, the Bulls had lost four games in a row at Brooklyn. Yeah. And they have they came in losing six in a row. Uh-huh. So I can understand <laughs> maybe going on out there and taking the Bulls lightly. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this is your uh, rationality for why the Bulls uh, blew out 
And you can say that because they were really not. They, I think the Nets had a three-point lead one time early. Here, at the end of the first period, Bulls up 32-27. At the end of uh, halftime, the Bulls were up 55-48. They increased the uh, uh, lead. At uh, the end of the third quarter, up uh, 93-80, to up 13 points. And they won by whatever that 19, is. 19. Won by 19, yeah. yeah. So, uh... When was Brooklyn not supposed to wake up like at some point? If that's your reasoning, well, you know, the Bulls. Are, yeah. Well, they made a run in, late in the game. They cut it to five. They cut a like a 14-point lead to a five-point mm-hmm. uh, deficit for Brooklyn. And then uh, the Bulls pulled away. And next thing I know, it was up 15 and game was over. High watermark. The Bulls were up 19 with right. five minutes to go. I had them at 109.99. What's your excuse? What's your rationale? You're a Bulls detractor all week long. Now this trade sucks. It ain't going to work. And then they win. They win big. Uh, oh, here's here's what the other excuse is going to be. I, I already know, Fred. Uh, well, you know, the Bulls, they had a one-game psych burst. They got, you know, hey, we got the new guy. You know, they had the muscle going, and, and everything's looking good. We got a new, something newer. So we... And it ain't going to last. Well, I mean, you know, teams that got new players around the league. It uh, they had new guys out there, and they're running the oh. floor like the Wizards did last night. Right. With Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. And Portis with uh, 30 points and Jabari Parker, 7 points, 11 rebounds, <laughs> and 9 assists. 9 assists Portis off Jabari the bench, Parker. by the way, they're right? They're both off the bench, Bo- yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Right. Okay. Both of them off the bench. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes... You know, uh, when you, when a new guy comes in, he can spark a team a little bit. They look uh-huh. like a different team, better spacing and all that kind of stuff. And I understand, you know, uh, I understand why, you know, certain people, um, you know, liked or didn't like the trade. The thing that I think most people didn't like the trade for is that it locks the Bulls up salary cap-wise. Money-wise, it's not going to free up enough money because they owe this guy $55 million. over the next two years after this year. You know the other, right. The other reason people didn't like it, because Pax was involved, and he's like, gone. Nah. No one wants him around. And I can understand for good reason. Don't yeah. get me wrong. You can understand and yell and scream from the mountaintops all you want. But, but he ain't, they ain't going anywhere. But I don't think, you know, and I'm far from an NBA expert, though I watch every game and have, uh, believe it or not, since the you know Bulls' first game uh, ever. McCoy McLemore, Jimmy Washington, all those longtime guys back uh, in the day. Guy Rogers, good old number oh, five. Oh, I love Guy Rogers, one of the best. He was an all-star <laughs> guard. Not every day we get to say McCoy McLemore, no, right? Not. Or McCoy no. McClamor, yeah. as I used to think it was. Yeah, when you I was never a get kid. a chance yeah. to say that. But uh, how often do you get to say Don Coges? Almost I never. Well, you know what? Stacy's doing a thing now where every time Lopez makes a sky hook, if that's what you want to call yeah. it, he always says, "Who would be proud?" And he starts naming all. Oh, Bill Cartwright would be proud. You know, one one after the other. Maybe he'll throw a Don Coges in for uh, for us, Fred. Coges was actually drafted by the Chicago Packers in the 60-61 draft. They so. moved to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Bullets, yeah. who became the Washington Bullets, who became the Washington Wizards. That Bo- has a disgusting ring to it. The Chicago Packers. Yeah. Ugh. Chicago My stomach Packers turned over when ba- you said that. Yeah. I did not know. Yeah, basketball team. Well, I don't think we hated Green Bay Packers as much back then, and uh, the Bulls first year. Well, well, you hated them pretty much. But we 61, were, that was right before the Bears, because the Bears yeah. won in 63, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. But we were the uh, meatpacking capital. 
of uh, the United States or America. Yeah. And the stockyards. Right there on 41st and 42nd and Halstead. There you go. It's Frank Sinatra. Uh, The Union Stockyard Chicago is. I go, what? Yeah. Who knew we were talking this much about Don Kojis and the Chicago Packers? (laughs) Lovely Dan and I saw Frank Sinatra. His last uh, big concert at United Center here in Chicago. And uh, he sang, you know, My Kind of Town. And before the concert, I said, you know, I hope he changes the words, you know, and not the Union Stockyard Chicago. Because... 99% 99% of the people at the United Center have no idea what you know who the union, what the union. E.O. 11, you know, the, you ever heard of Union Stockyards? Sure haven't. Okay, but you've heard, well, you have, if In you've ever song. heard Frank right. Sinatra sing the famous My Kind of Town. Right. I've heard the song, but, but I you guess have I didn't heard it, analyze but you, but you it didn't like know, that. Well, you probably didn't know what the hell is he talking about. Yeah. Right. So that's why they were the Packers, because we were the Meat Packers. Swift and uh, Hormel and all them. So... Otto Porter, Fred. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about this uh, performance last night. By the way, he has two nicknames, it turns out. The new one that Stacey King granted him or uh, uh, doffed him with uh, last night, O.P. Not O.P. Uh, Taylor like in the old uh, Andy uh, yeah. Mayberry. O.P. Otto. But then they put the little crawl up, a little screen, and they gave us some uh, background. Okay. On the newest uh, bull, Otto Porter. And uh, turns out that uh, he he has a nick- nickname, Bubba. Bubba? Yeah. Okay. I, I like O.P. more. Well, I thought you should probably call him O.P.J. because oh. you've got Odell Beckham Jr. as mm-hmm. O.P.J. And this yeah. way you call him O.P.J. because he's o, you know o, <laughs> Otto Porter uh, Jr. Yeah. So uh, I, I usually don't refer to everybody by their juniors They're and everywhere. seniors and, because I'm the third and I don't say, hey, Fred Eubner the third with you each and every day. Yeah, so it's Everybody's just, a junior now, yeah, too. I mean, you know, come on. So uh, it's Otto Porter, unless his dad's playing. Grew up a Bulls fan, was on the uh, NBC Sports Chicago Crawl. Did he really? Grew, Grew up, up a Bulls, a Bulls, fan. Bulls fan in Sykeston, Missouri, which I believe is an uh, outlying suburb of St. Louis. Okay. So I was thinking, if you, if you, uh, you know, grew up in the St. Louis area... What's your favorite? Well, we know who your hockey team is. Right. We know who your baseball team is. Mm-hmm. I don't know who their football team are. They still Rams? Uh, or Probably old, not anymore, not after they left. The old St. Louis Cardinals right. via Chicago. But if you're an NBA fan, did you know the Atlanta Hawks used to be the St. Louis Hawks way back? Mm-hmm. So if you're in St. Louis, is Chicago... Get your Rand McNally a map out there for us, please, EO11. Is... Chicago, the closest uh, geographical by miles. For NBA. For NBA. Atlanta. <sighs> Indiana would be close. Indiana. Yeah. Dallas. Indiana would be close. Yeah. New Orleans. New Orleans, maybe. You're getting there. Dallas or Houston, are they? Uh, yeah, I think Houston. There's Sexton, Missouri. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. So, Bubba. So, Otto Porter. Here's some of the notes I jotted down. Now, these are mostly uh, Stacey King and after the game, you know, Will Perdue and uh, Horace Grant and uh, Ken, Kendall Gill, right? Now, it's obvious. I was watching, so I jotted these down, but I listened to these guys. Oh, we forgot Oklahoma City. That might be it. That's probably, or better yet, Memphis. Memphis. Memphis is going to be it. That's it. It is yeah. Memphis. Yeah, it'll be Memphis. It'll be the closest. I know. He grew up. Otto, That's uh, close. Between Memphis between <laughs> Memphis and uh, Chicago. Yeah, uh, it's only like 20, like 15 miles difference. 
between yeah. St. Louis and Memphis and St. Louis and Chicago. Interesting. Mm. All right. Okie City's probably Indianapolis, a farther. Indianapolis can't be much further. Indianapolis has to be closer than Chicago. Because St. Louis, no? Well, it's a little more east. It's pretty close. Lovely, Geography this morning. Yeah. Lovely Dan and I are going to... Uh, you know what? This summer we decided no more flying. Just, you know, if you get to the airport, you're tired, where are we going to go? You know, Driving's like, great. Yeah. Until you have to pay to park at the hotel. Well, Correct. <laughs> Exactly right. Thirty-five to thirty-eight dollars a night just yeah. to park your car is a pain. So, you know, we we've been to almost every major league uh, city to uh-huh. see games, and you know, she's a big Cub fan as am I. So, or, you know, we've seen the Cubs everywhere. You know, San Francisco, L.A., San Diego. Yeah, next year you can go to London. Da- oh. Oh, are they nuts? Yes, they are. Are they out of their minds? Uh, absolutely out of their mind is right. What are they doing? <laughs> I don't Why don't know. they worry about trying to, you know, oh, we got to develop the young fans. Yeah, All the right. young fans in England. And, of course, as you always said said at first, Fred, you're correct. The young fans, if they don't want to watch baseball, they're not going to watch baseball if yeah. you speed it up a half hour. No. So if they don't like the game of baseball, no. they're not going to like it no matter if it was only a two-hour game. Wouldn't hey, matter. I don't like watching the pitcher hit. Well, yeah. you don't watch. Yeah. Don't get me started. Three three two three seven seven six. So... You know, we've seen the Cubs in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and, well, you know, everywhere. So I said, no more flying. But we want to, so we're going to watch some AAA baseball this year. Okay. We're going to take, like you just said, some auto trips. Sure. We're going to go first to Des Moines, uh-huh. which I've been to. Don't go when it rains or floods. Especially because the ballpark's right by the river. Yes. Whatever river that is. Uh-huh. Is it the Missouri River, the Des Moines River, whatever river. But... It's the most beautiful downtown you've ever been to, Des Moines. Des Moines is big. You'd think it's a little podunk. No, it's, it's not. A, you know yeah. what? They have, other than, uh, like, in Massachusetts, like where all the big insurance come, I was at Hartford mm-hmm. or whatever town in uh, Man. There's more big uh, uh, insurance headquarters there, and they got business. And then we're going to go to Indianapolis, which is another beautiful little Midwest nugget. Love downtown Indy. Great place. Right. Yep. Right. So you're a Bulls fan. You want them to lose, and you're happy, right? I can't wait to get the results. We'll bring EO11 in in a few. Oh, Bob Verdi's going to join us in a few minutes talking about the Red Hot Blackhawks. You may not know who they all are, but they were winning games. Three three two three seven seven six. Let's slide in. Uh... There's Rob from Elgin. Rob, is that you? Yes, uh, good morning, guys. Uh, you were talking about uh, trying to figure out why Otto Porter was a Bulls fan and, you know, from geography and so on. The way I take it, he was growing up during the Jordan era. Just like lots of people love Golden State, regardless of where they live, I think he probably just got on board and enjoyed a 70-win team. Well, wait, now, he's 25 years old, so let's say he got to be at least 10 years old, you yeah. know. Eight or nine, yeah. I'll just say 10 because it's, easy, it's easier for okay. my math here. Okay. So that would be uh, 15 years ago was was 2003. Well, my son, my older son's 27, and he remembers and was on okay. board with the uh, with the Bulls. All right. What uh, was Jordan doing in 2003? Well, your math is better than mine. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just going off of my son's age okay. and how he was into the Bulls. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, there's there's still people that people were just uh, celebrating the other day, the day that uh, Michael Jordan won the slam dunk contest when he mm-hmm. was uh, when Dominique Wilkins was robbed. 
when it was held at the United States. I was there. Or at the stadium. Row 10 freebies. Yeah. I knew someone at the radio station. The day before, and the, then the All-Star game was the next day, right? Yeah. Dominique Wilkins was robbed. Yeah. Well, the, the, oh, the, the home the, crowd, the, we, the, it was as loud as you've ever heard it. There's no way they were going to hold up those uh, numbers 10 yeah. for him. Going backwards with his, and, and bringing the ball down below his knees and then over his head, rever- you know, slam dunking yeah. it. How that didn't get more points. Then the next day, the All-Star game itself. Yeah. Whoever was coaching the uh, East, I guess you'd call it, right? Whoever was coaching Jordan's team in the All-Star game, he forgot to put him back in. It's like late in the game, and it's a back-and-forth game, and Jordan's sitting there at the end of the bench, and we're about 10 rows up, right? And we start, yeah, put Jordan in! Put Jordan! Jordan's looking over, like, smiling at us, and the coach, Jordan, get in! Like, he forgot he was there, and goes yeah. in, and the uh, East, I believe, won the game, thanks to Jordan. Let's bring in EO11 quick before we bring in the great Bob Verde for some Blackhawks. They're red hot Blackhawks, and we get to hear the great Blackhawks song, too. Mm-hmm. EO11, want to hear what the fans said. Were you mad, Bulls fans, that the Bulls won last night? Yes or no? Fred, what do you, you take a guess? They're going to say uh, it's going to be 70%, yes. 70%? Of the Bulls fans were mad that their favorite team lost. That's what no, tank. Favorite team won. That their favorite team right. won. Thank you. I misspoke. That's what tanking and the ridiculous draft will do. We'll see though. Maybe it's fifty-fifty. Eo, mm, Fred, you were right on. Pretty much, it's seventy-three percent saying yes. They were upset that they won last night. There you go. Did and Murph, to answer your question that you were posing, like why did the Bulls win yesterday? This is each team only has to play three games in five days once in the season, and ah. this was the third of third game in five days for the Nets there on Friday. There you go. There you go. I so knew, tired. Legs. I knew there'd be a rationale there, which then follows up dovetails, if you will. Uh, do you hope the Bulls win the next ten games in a row? I voted yes, which means, uh, Fred, uh, do you think it's even worse than the 70? But uh, Same thing, oh, like yeah. 70, uh, no, it's good. No, it's going to be 80, at least 85 or more. Uh, no. No. No, I hope they don't win 10 in a row. Yeah. How do you be a fan? It might I be hope, 90. I don't want to see my team win 10 in a row. All yeah. right, Eric, lay it on us. 91%. There you go. There you do go. not want the Bulls to win 10 games in a row. I hope the NBA understands what they've created here with this cockamamie draft system. We'll talk to... Verds next. He, has, he always has the athletes' feet ready to talk about. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred Blackhawks. Next. Hey, we got Bob Nightingale, national baseball man from USA. He's got a he's got a handful of great topics. And yes, we're going to throw in a little bit of what, why in golf have they just made this new rule change? Well, Verds could talk about this too. Randy Merkin is going to join us with that. Who I've heard his name. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Usually used in vain. Meandering back to the middle. Way to the back. And then it's not into the forehand. Yeah! Jonathan Taylor. He kind of lulled him into satisfaction and then drove the net. Hawks win! Hawks win! Pat Foley, NBC Sports Chicago. Murph and Fred, ESPN Chicago. Nobody meanders better than Jonathan Taves. One minute away from Bob Verde. The red, hot, Blackhawks. Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball national guy, will join us in about an hour and a half. And uh, I just wish 
And we had a guy that uh, has been around hockey for all his life. A guy that's in the uh, National Hockey League Hall of Fame over in the, uh, you know, the media uh, uh-huh. uh, wing. Uh, Are a, you kidding a, me? I thought he was a center. A guy, a guy that's... Before uh, the helmets. A, a guy that loves to... Uh, not only talk about the Blackhawks, but all of sports. And we miss it. I just want, we got Bob Verde. Hey, let's punch him up. Murph here alongside Fred. Hello, Bob Verde. What's up, guys? <laughs> You're up. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're great. sounding good. I listen to you every Saturday. Uh, God love you. Whether you're on for three hours or two hours or one hour and 36 minutes or whatever it is. Well, you and my mother, so I have two <laughs> listeners. Thank you, Roberto. Uh, Bob, the uh, Blackhawks, I'm going to uh, partially credit myself. I was for at, the six-game winning streak? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I was at the uh, Sunday matinee on January 20th when the uh, Blackhawks beat the uh, Capitals 8-5. Uh, to five. Uh, That was a... Uh, Taves had the three goals, two assists. Kaner, two goals, two assists. And they haven't lost since. Six in a row. Bob, what has happened to this team in the last uh, month or so? Well, there's a new coach. Does that have anything to do with it, or uh, what do you see? Well, I think it's a combination of uh, confidence and uh, and veteran leadership and some good kids. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and the power play is like 40% now, which is outrageous in the last 20 games. Combination of things, and uh, I would say that uh, Jeremy Colleton stepped into a uh, tough, tough situation, replacing a absolute legend, the best coach in the league, Joel Quenville. And, uh, in you know, during the season, when you have to install a system if uh, if you want to, not training camp and it's uh it's been great i i was i was uh, interested the other night you know thursday night against vancouver the puck drops and fans are yelling let's go hawks uh-huh and i'm thinking now that's interesting on a on a thursday night in february so mm-hmm. so they're into it and uh mm-hmm. i'm sure it'll be hopping tomorrow afternoon when the red wings are in town for oh, a yeah. <laughs> so uh and, and and let's let's be honest. It hasn't hurt that many of the teams that uh, the Blackhawks are bunched with in the West, Colorado, Anaheim, uh, Minnesota, Arizona, uh, they're going the other way. You know, does it? We, we Murph mentioned coaching change and things like that. Does it? Does it, when it first happened? The, the team went out and started losing like crazy. Does it take a special kind of leadership, special kind of leaders like Kane and Taves are on this team and maybe some of the other guys uh, to to be able to bring this thing back around? Because this could have easily just gone down the drain. Well, it looked like it was. Uh, it was a lot of uh, frustration. I don't think panic. One thing that struck me about Colleton, uh, I mean, he's 33, okay? And nobody knew who he was. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember the game just before Christmas, San Jose came in to the United Center and just toyed with the Blackhawks, toyed with them. And after uh, Colleton held uh, his his press conference, uh, which he does after every game, win, lose, or whatever, and he was just very calm. And, and I remember when he was brought in, that was a that was a description of him, very calm, not too high, not too low. 
And I thought, well, this is this is interesting uh, because your team is apparently going down the drain. You just played an awful game against San Jose, a good, very good team. And I thought, well, if if that can 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 uh, go through the room hmm. and players can catch on to it, uh, that's good. But but nobody expected this, and and then and now. Uh, I mean, nobody, no, no team in the league is playing any better. And the power play is you don't want to take a penalty against the Blackhawks all of a sudden. Hmm. Uh, Bob Verde talking about the uh, red-hot Blackhawks six in a row and back clawing their way up into hopefully a, a playoff wild-card slot or better. Uh, the nuclear option. Let's go back again, uh, Bob, Fred, to that game that started the six-game winning streak, the Sunday matinee game to uh, with, with the Capitals. I believe, uh, uh, at least pretty much so, that was maybe one of the first times, at least from what the reports, as I recall, were that the uh, nuclear option of uh, Taves and Kane playing together started uh, occurring. Uh, were you surprised to see that? What was the logic? Did Q not do that as much? Is it still viable? Uh, what, tell the uh, fans uh, about what happens when you pair those two guys together and why maybe it, it, they did that. He did that. Q did it. Uh, and uh, Jeremy... Uh as you know, since he came in, has has, uh, has juggled lines considerably, and not of late because the team is winning. But uh, uh, I think that's a you know you have two of the best players in the league, and uh, Kane has been crazy good. Uh, they certainly know each other well enough and uh, are thinking along the same lines. So it's. Uh, I mean, if you're the other team, uh, you, you definitely want to try and shut that line down. But then you've got uh, other players contributing, like DeBrinket's been mm -hmm. wonderful. Yep. And uh, Strom from uh, we got him from Arizona with uh, you know another mystery guest, and he's <laughs> been wonderful. And uh, it's it's uh, and the goalkeeping, by the way, even without Crawford. Has been excellent. Uh, Cam Ward uh, has been better than his numbers, hmm. and Delia has been a real find. So when you have that kind of that that inspires a team too. When you have confidence in the, uh, always felt they played so much better in front of Crawford because they just had, you know, they just felt, you know, Crawford's going to make the big save. Period. And how many times he did. Now you have two other goalkeepers in Crawford's absence who are uh, uh, doing their part uh, very well. Bob, the uh, play this year by Taves and Kane, as we keep talking about, as good as it's been, uh, especially Taves, but Kaner's getting a lot of uh, talk lately in local uh, uh, papers and uh, online that uh, this might be an MVP year for him, but first, how about that the game we just played the soundbite? How about that game winner overtime by uh, Jonathan uh, Thursday night? That was a really, really amazing play. Oh yeah, he just undressed the defenseman. It was, you know, <laughs> as he said, it was time to end the game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jonathan Taves could score, I believe, uh, more goals than he has scored in his uh, career which has been Hall of Fame career. 
but he's uh, he's possessed by the 200-foot rule, you know? He's very responsible mm. in his own end. I think, uh, not speaking for him, but uh, he has said at times, you know, I worry so much about uh, the other end and checking and, and uh, that I want to do it all myself, and I... And I I won't let myself trust my some of my teammates. So uh, what I'm saying is that he he is so responsible in his own end that uh, I think it could uh, he he's sacrificing some of his offensive uh, potential. But uh, he's playing great. Kane is. Stan Bowman had a wonderful uh, description of Patrick. He said he plays. He says if you sit close to the ice, you know, uh, at, at the United Center, uh, you, you see all the commotion, the speed, the tall bodies of the opposition, all the all the uh, traffic. And he said, but Patrick plays the game as though he's seeing it from the three hundred level. Yes. If you're in the three hundred level, you yeah. can say, well, that guy's open over there. Why doesn't he? <laughs> you know. And and that's that sixth sense. Dennis Savard says, you know, Wayne Gretzky had it. You just have that vision, hmm. and and Kane can slow the game down, and and uh, especially when he's got two guys on him, he can just tether a pass that that you wouldn't think possible through yeah. Yeah. through uh, a lot of bodies. And uh, he's he's amazing. He's he's thirty, and he's. Playing like I mean, thirty's not old, and Taves is going to the same age. It's you know they they've been around forever, twelve years, but uh, they're still kids. You know, prime, still prime time, and uh, to have them in the room with some of these other, some of the young guys coming in, and uh, they've made a bunch of trades, and that's got to that's got to spread around the room. You know, Bob, you just mentioned thirty, and it, it just sparked me because. In baseball now, the whole thing is you're 31, 32. You're an old man now. The whole game is going younger, and they're doing it everywhere. I mean, obviously, the NFL is looking for the young guys, the quarterbacks that come in and things like that. Um, basketball, it's all about the young guys, how they come in quickly, you know, after the one and dones and things like that. Are all the sports doing it? And is hockey also where you get older quicker now because they're bringing up the younger guys and putting them in there quicker? funny i was just reading the obituary of the great frank robinson mm-hmm. yeah the other day and uh how he was traded to uh, baltimore from the reds i think at 30 because he was quote getting old <laughs> well uh you know if you're great you're great there's definitely the game in hockey is faster younger bigger but uh you, you you can't replace uh, the God-given talents that uh, uh, players like Kane and Taves have. And uh, now uh, that they've dug themselves out of this horrible hole that they were in, uh, now they're excited, and now they're having fun, and now they're talking playoffs and beyond. So this team is just brimming. You know, they didn't play a great game the other night against Vancouver, lost a lead uh, Two nothing and three two, and yet they found a way to win. Now in uh, you know uh, December, uh, they would have found a way to lose. Mm-hmm. So I would say uh, the uh, all the arrows are pointed up, and uh, 
the question now in the, you know, do you buy or sell? Uh, one thing about this organization is that uh, they are, Rocky Wirtz and John McDonough and the front office and Bowman, they don't sit back and look at the banners and say, wow, we won three cups, let's, let's enjoy it. You know, they're very, they're proactive. Roberto, just like uh, when you're the featured uh, great columnist, the, uh, you ran out of space at the bottom and it said 30. Google it up if you don't understand, Eric. It's at thir- Well, we're at 30 now because we're up against the clock. Maybe we can visit again because I haven't, we haven't scratched the surface. Wanted to talk more about the back end, Gus uh, Gustafson and, uh, all the, and the Murphy, Seabrook, uh, Keith, it's, uh, and the power play more in depth. Uh, can, can we visit with you again in a month when they're right there uh, catching up with St. Louis, uh, who holds three in hand right now? We could talk in a month or during the playoffs. Okay. Sounds That's, good. That sounds great. And I don't know yet if I'm going to leave the flag stick in or take it out. Maybe oh, we can. Oh, please. <laughs> I, knew, I knew we'd get a rise out of Bob on that one. They've got all these new rules, and they already sent one back to the to the uh, body shop for uh, rehab. I love it. Bob, thanks as always. As always, and uh, we'll talk to you during the playoffs. I love it. That'd be great. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. Take care, guys. All right, Bob. Bob Verde, Blackhawk historian, Chicago legend. My greatest, always knows the athlete's feats. My greatest story, it had to be back in 81, 82. I was doing a, a, a feature piece on a, yeah. another football league, and I talked to Bob Verde, and he was talking about how someone broke into his Jaguar, and he said it had to be a pain. And he goes, yeah. He goes, they stole a set of brand-new clubs. I wish I would have just taken the damn car and left the clubs. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he loves his golf and loves his hockey. Thanks, Bob Verde, for joining us. Hey, when we return, a Dan Plesek soundbite from the other day. And I don't know if I agree with them or not, Fred. We'll have that and much more. We'll get back on the Bulls beat. Bob Nightingale, baseball talk, got some Bears, NFL. We're busy. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, we can get back on. Uh, we're going to spread all fields when we return, including Otto Porter, OP, Baba. Exciting game last night, but Bulls fans are mad. Oh, I don't like it when they win. Now we won. I hate this. Damn guard packs. We can't. Oh, but, well, we don't know what to say now. <laughs> we're going to talk about packs also. I, I don't think you're going to expect what I'm going to say to be said. Okay. But, and uh, I'm at all the fans, 91% of you on our Twitter poll uh, this hour. Do you hope the Bulls win the next 10 in a row? Because I do. 91%. No, no, don't win 10 in a row. Yeah, nobody wants that, apparently. You know, I don't know that they're even going to catch Fred. Uh, Atlanta, I believe, is... Uh, one above them or below them, depending how you look at tank of five. Yeah, they're they're five and five a half. Five and back. a half different. Yeah. So uh even if the Bulls won ten in a row, they'd probably still be locked in that four hole. Yeah, we'll see. Bulls have twenty seven games left. Atlanta has twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and it changes from uh, twelve and a half at four to uh, okay. ten and a half at five. Our Twitter poll for next hour before we take a quick break. Vote right now at ESPN one thousand. In five years. 
A or B? In five years, which will be the worst trade? Well, A would be uh, when Theo sent Eloy and Dylan Cease to the White Sox for Quintana. Or B, when Rick Hahn sent uh, Tatis, that's Fernando Jr., right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Tatis uh, to the pods for Shields. All right. Which will go down five years from now as the worst trade. Big baseball talk at 11 o'clock. Spread all fields next. Got a lot to cover. Murph and Fred, glad you're with us. It's ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street, WMVP Chicago. Saturday's all right, and I hope you're all right. Murph and Fred, our number two of a normally three hour, and today is, as Bob Verde yep. said, is an hour 43 minutes. No, today? today's normal. Ha. Well, the time frame is normal. Right. We might not. Never. Well, we are ebb. Almost never. We are usually ebb. Uh-huh. Uh, misspoke uh, about a uh, half hour ago. I said I've watched just about every Bulls game on uh, TV from their inception. Except right. I forgot the five years I was in Carbondale. Oh, you didn't see any of those. Well, there's, there was a smoke-filled haze well, in front of the TV. Not Drew Hayes. No. But there was a, uh, you couldn't get them. You mm-hmm. couldn't pick them up down there. But uh, we probably wouldn't have picked it up anyway. Speaking of, uh, I had a program director, Fred, uh, you know, uh, and he's not in town anymore. Drew Hayes was his right. name. I had him at two, two radio stations. Uh-huh. And uh, he used to say, or not used, once or twice he said to me, you know, anytime I make a, uh, you know, decision, uh-huh. or, you know, we're going to do this or make a change or a promotion or, you know, uh, meaning an uh, advertising promotion right. you know, or whatever, he says, I always look at it first. What are the downsides? Okay. What what could the problems be? Mm-hmm. Or something? What can go wrong? And then number two, you know, if I eliminate all that, then I, okay, what can go good? Right. Now most people would, or at least I used it. You know, you look at it the other way. Here's an idea. Oh, this will be great. Yeah, no, I always I'm I'm with him. I always look at the downside <laughs> first because if the down if you look at the downside, uh-huh. you're prepared for it, and then if it doesn't happen, then right. you're happy. Mm-hmm. Where if you're excited about it and it screws up, yeah. then you're depressed. Okay. And my wife has been telling me for decades. She goes, "That's the wrong way of thinking." I said, "Well, hmm. it's just the way I, I'm always prepared for the bad news." Did you learn that from Drew? No, oh, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I might have taught him. I don't know. No, I, 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 I've always been that way. Well, here's why I bring that up. Mm-hmm. John Paxson. So say, uh, for example, if the White Sox sign Manny Machado, I'll be happy. But what's the downside? Uh, if they don't get him, eh, they didn't get okay. him. You know. But you would first look at the downside and say, well, there really aren't any. Yeah. If they, okay. don't, they don't get him, they'll just right. keep going with the rebuild. Then you look they at the upside. Him, boom. Great. Then you look at the upside next. Yeah. Okay, we don't yeah. have to worry about it. no downside. Uh-huh. All right. So John Paxson, I, I was thinking about this. Now, this is not going to sound normal. Ab, normal. But John Paxson, and it's great that he came on our station, and it's great that he talks to the media. He doesn't have to. Right. Well, yeah, he does. You know, he's, he's speaking to the fan. Well, okay, I understand, but work with me on this. This might be the situation where he says to himself, 
You know, if I go on uh, TV shows, radio shows, meet mm-hmm. all the reporters in a in a you know a big uh, what do you call it? media session? You scrum. know, scrum, okay. media scrum. You all can right. say it's better than the other word we usually use. What does he think about? Does he think about the uh, a? What's the downside? And B, what's the upside? So I've never really thought of this before, but mm-hmm. and I, I could be way off base, but I thought it was worth thinking about a little bit. The guy went through a firestorm this week. Yep. And uh, again, John, if you're listening, you know, we're happy you came out in the air. Don't get me wrong. But maybe John should think in the future about not not being so open. I, and again, that's against everything in sports radio and media. Oh, we love it. You know, we got John Paxson, which is great, and the listeners love it. And yeah. It's great that can do it. Or maybe he should know no can do it, you know. But here, here's a, a random um, uh, 40 seconds or so of Pax on uh, earlier this week. Uh, Carm and uh, uh, Yurko. And uh, I think it starts off here. You know, Carm sim- simply asked him, you know, uh, about do the... You know, free agents, the players in general, do they want to come to Chicago? Why it's been so hard to land that one big one, I guess. Well, I, you know, we, we, we haven't been fortunate enough. And, you know, I mean, we, you know, back in the day, we, we were right in the game when LeBron was free and went to Miami. Um, at that time, all the feedback we got from, from his reps and, and him and LeBron himself was that, uh, you know, we represented our organization very, very well, but, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't get the the, the guys at, at the time. So, I, I guess that's where uh, you know people can can feel that way. All I can tell you is, the hope is that we're we're building through the draft right now. We're going to be strategic in terms of the things we do, like we did the other day in, in getting Auto. And you know, you hope that we do become a destination point at sometimes. At some time, it, it's obviously not happening today, uh, and that's. You know, whatever everybody wants, we want it now. All people do, but uh, we have to, and especially me in my role, I have to to remain looking at the big picture and the timeline that goes out, and make sure that we don't make the long term mistakes that that hurt us uh, much more than than any short term mistake would. John Pax yesterday, John Paxson, uh, President uh, Operations, I guess his title is. Uh, we all know who he is. And with Carmen and Yurko, Miss Little Miss a Lot, that was on your. Uh, uh, afternoon yesterday, about one uh, forty-five yeah. p.m., and see, people right, Bulls fans right now are so down and mad. With, and again, I understand, and good reason. Nothing's happened good in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. W- would this be a guy, an occasion, Fred? I don't have the answer, but maybe you know, when he comes on, people just get mad. It, it, is it? I mean, it's nice he comes on. And, you know, Theo comes on and Rick Hahn comes on. And you don't hear the Bears yeah. guys as much, do you? No, you almost, no, you don't hear you don't hear uh, Ryan Pace. You hear him at the beginning of the year and then when the year's over. Right. Basically, that's it. Once here and once yeah. there, right? Yeah. Almost uh, almost not at all. It, so. would, it would almost. Then again, they only play 16 games. Uh, right. So, But it's still three, four months. Of the one thing, know. though, and I think Pax would have, uh, if Pax would have said at the very end, yeah. He was talking about avoiding uh, bad moves. He should have said avoiding bad moves that we have made in the past. Now, GMs mm-hmm. don't like to admit they've made mistakes. Right. But I, I, it's pretty much out there that they've made mistakes. Like mm-hmm. Doug McDermott, like Marcus Teague, like bringing in Wade and Rondo. And they, they've made mistakes. There's no doubt about that. But I think the public might actually 
uh, appreciate PAX even a little more if you would admit and say, you know, we want to avoid mistakes that we've made in the past. Mm-hmm. We're trying to not make those same kind of mistakes again. And I think people might be, um, I don't know, maybe there'll be a little bit of a sympathetic ear. Not that they feel sorry for him, but at least he's owning up that they have made mistakes, you know. Oh, you're right. but he, And he has said... I believe in that clip. Everybody if, makes mistakes. They all do. If it weren't in that clip, he said it just, I believe he, he said, well, you know what? We haven't been, have not been fortunate. Right. Which, you know, factual. Yeah. I, I guess. I, I mean, there's, it's hard to define what, what the, right. you know, fortunate means, I guess. Well, I was, on, I was on last night and I was talking and, you know, people just saying, well, he's got to find a way to get free agents to sign here. Well, you know what? You could offer him the money and show him what you got and say, here's our team. There's nothing else you can do. Otto Porter would not have come here, experts say, had he been a free agent. Probably not. You know. Probably not. But maybe but he'll like it and stay, or that's if they want to keep him. One of the problems with the league, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and Pac said it twice yesterday, he said players have a lot of power now where they want to go where they want uh, to where and who they want to play with. And also, a handful of great players want to go to places to win championships right now and a lot of people have talked about it they did it on pti mm-hmm. the other day tony kornheiser and michael wilbon talking about when when uh anthony davis came out and with his agent saying he wants to go somewhere where he can play for championships now basically saying i don't want to continue to try and build the championship with me as the leader i want to go somewhere and ride someone else's coattails to be a champion three three two three seven seven six if you want to jump on We'll slide you in, 332-3776, area code 312. On that topic, we've had a, a Twitter poll uh, up operating now for about two hours. I haven't mentioned this one on the air yet. Let's bring in EO11, Eric Ostrowski. And uh, the, the poll question is this, A, B, or C, which Chicago GM has had the most good luck so far, Theo Epstein, Rick Hahn, John Paxson. Which GM has had the most luck so far? Vote right now at ESPN 1000 Now we understand that Theo's not the GM. Oh, don't. Yeah, but thank for you. all intents and Everyone's purposes. Say, Come on, right. you but idiot for, Murph. For all intents and purposes, he is. He is the GM. Okay. So if you want to, uh, you know. Be involved in that discussion. Just so you know, I mean, because I know someone's going to say, "Well, you know, Theo's not the GM." Jed, I love, I love Jed. Jed comes out all the time. Yeah, Jed gets the coffee. Yeah, Jed. Right. Jed seems like a great guy, right. but I'm pretty sure that you know everything flows right. through. Thank Theo. you, because that'll happen. Yeah, and and everything flows mm-hmm. through packs from Gar. Right. So, you know. so which GM or boss? Which boss? Uh huh. That's what I should have just yeah, said. It might right. Be, yeah. Yeah. Which boss has had the most uh, luck so far? Theo, Han, or Pax? Okay. Well, I know where that's going. Well. I know where I think it should, where well, it's going to go. I think this one's going to surprise us. But then again, I'll be surprised and maybe it doesn't. Uh-huh. A lot of, you would, the, the answer is not easy. You could say Theo Epstein for having Chris Bryant passed by on the first pick of the draft by Houston. Right. 
you could say John Paxson for being able to draft Derrick Rose when the ping pong balls were less than, what, 2% or whatever? That was one point something, right? 1.6, 1.3. Which GM has had the most luck so far? Rick Hahn. I don't know that uh, Rick's had any... He he made the trade. That wasn't luck for Eli. That right. wasn't lucky. Right. But I don't think it... I, I, so it's got to be almost a tie at 50-50 between Theo and John Paxson. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. Eric, uh, what do we have there for number five? There is a tie, but it's not what you're thinking. We got a tie for second and third. Okay. <laughs> 14% both for Han and Paxson. All right. And then 72% for Theo. Yeah. Well, See, this is, excuse well, me, this has been, this is amazing to me. Okay, Fred. Well, the reason Sorry. people say Theo is because they won a championship. But who would say that was lucky? People love Theo. Theo is God. Theo's still walking on the water from the photo uh, on the Sun-Times yeah, page well, one when he came here. Uh, he, he may be walking on cracked water after the, the three free uh-huh. agent signings from last year. You know, in in guys like you know you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood and Brandon Morrow. So I mean, it's not you know. I think maybe maybe people are starting to see some of those cracks in that uh, the armor that he had had. So, so is it fair to say, therefore, that uh, Rick Hahn and Jet? See, I almost worded this the other way. Which which boss has had the worst luck so far? By the vote. You could extrapolate, but it might not be fair to say, well, Paxson and Hanovid, bad luck. They haven't had the most good luck. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. The Bulls have had some bad luck. The injury. Well, they had huge bad luck with the Derrick Rose injury. Right. I mean, they had a team ready to compete and maybe beat the Cavaliers with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it didn't happen. So I know some people will say, well, it was LeBron. They weren't going to beat him anyway. LeBron's the best. They had that chance. They had uh, the Cavs on the ropes. And they had the one opportunity. They could have, you know, who knows if they could have done it the the following year. But, you know, with with Rose getting injured, that kind of screwed up the whole organization. So after one game, Fred, let's look at the uh, Otto Porter trade, all right? Uh Uh-huh. And as you've pointed out uh, exactly, Portis and uh, Jabari had... Very nice evenings last night. And they're first, by the way, the Wizard. Uh, they're here. They're in they're town tonight. Ma- tonight. Tonight, yeah. And uh, let's see then. Two games with the, the best team statistically, Milwaukee, in the, in the next two weeks coming up. Too. Yeah, the Bulls will lose at least one of those. They're both here. Not that it matters. But this game by out. Now, it's one game. Murph, that means nothing. So, Stacey King, here's what was interesting. Many things. He said last night, early in the first quarter, the score is uh, like nine to eight, uh, Brooklyn, right? Uh-huh. And you know what Stacy says right away? He goes, "Already the spacing is better." Right. Early in the early in yeah. the quarter, he said it. I heard yeah. him. Nine to eight. So let's. I didn't put the. They so started th- replaying the game at midnight. And I was watching a little part of it. Really? So because I was here on the air for the begin, the most of the game. So let's say that was about three, four minutes in, or whatever. Yeah. Right? Stacy King says the spacing is better already. Now it's fifteen thirteen. A few minutes later, and Stacy says there's more room now to drive. Mm-hmm. Big lanes to drive. Well, we know why this is. They've got to put a guy out in the corner wherever he is on Porter. 
they got to respect Potter's three ball shooting, right? Right. He, but he shoots it from everywhere. As you saw, right? he was shooting from the, uh, you know, from free throw line extended on, on yeah. most of his threes yesterday. But even when he wasn't shooting, yeah. and you're right. He'd stand in the corner. Yeah, he moved around a lot. No, but, that was right. right. But when that he was, was in the corner, yeah. they had to have a guy sure. right by him. Sure. As before, when they wouldn't dedicate someone that far who was then close enough to jump back in the lane. Yeah, yeah one of the biggest things that they said it, uh, on the postgame with, mm-hmm. with Will Perdue and Kendall Gill is that they, they kept moving. There was, there was movement in the offense, constant movement. And they right? showed Otto Porter when he was continuing to move without the ball, finding a way to get open. And that's where yesterday I heard something from uh, Jim Boylan. And granted, I do not listen in most of Jim Boylan's postgame press conferences. But he said that what he wanted Otto Porter to do was running the floor, understanding our, here's what I didn't get, mm-hmm. our multi-handler system. Yeah, I did say, I don't know what that means. That, we're, that we are developing. If he has it, he can bring it. If he doesn't have it, we need him to run the floor. Now, that's interesting because when you have Larry Markkinen, uh, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and uh, Otto Porter on the floor, basically any of the four of them can bring the ball up. And then whoever doesn't bring the ball up has got to be moving. And it does seem like more, more of the NBA style of offense that everybody else is playing where, you know, there's not a one, a two, a three, and a four anymore. There's just basketball players, guys that can play the game, they can handle the ball, they can shoot the three, they can go to the basket. And uh, I think with the addition of Otto Porter, they're thinking that this is what this Bulls team can do when you have Levine and Markkinen and gee, Chris Dunn. Well, I'm, who they sat down, uh, the coach sat down yeah. for a few minutes. But on that topic, you're exactly right. Here's an, what you just said, Stacy King said during the game, the new NBA is now switching. He says you have to have centers on a guard. Uh-huh. Guards on a center. You gotta switch. Now, this guy Porter, it appears that this is a guy, see they call oh, he's a three and D, you know, okay, fine. He made three ball shots and he can play, play defense. defense right. right. Well what was every what were they what was everyone saying about the Bulls up till the trade? Two things in the NBA are making threes and stopping threes. Today's in the Bulls, other than Markinen, uh-huh. they couldn't make threes and they couldn't stop threes. Yeah. All of a sudden, what happens? This guy's out there, he's making threes and he's defending all over the court. Yeah. Well, you do have to look at one thing. If you're looking at threes yesterday, yeah. the Bulls didn't take a different number of threes. They're still shooting a lower number of threes than most people are. The Brooklyn Nets took 41 three point attempts yesterday. 41. Mm-hmm. And they made 13 of them. They were th- shot 31.7% from three. The Bulls took 13 fewer three-point shots. They only took 28, but they made 14, one more than the Brooklyn Nets made. They were five, They were 50% from the three-point line, 14 of 28. That's why the Bulls won by 19 points. And would that not be, those numbers be because the Bulls were defending the three better. Maybe that's why well, Maybe that's Brooklyn why Brooklyn wasn't. missed. And conversely, we were getting more open looks yeah. because they had to spread the D around because now all of a sudden you got Markin and you got the Porter. You got to remember, they're not the Bulls are not always going to shoot 54%. They right. did last night, 54, mm-hmm. 54%, 50% from uh, three-point range, which is funny. So technically they shot better from... Well, yeah, that makes sense. They shot Mm -hmm. better from two than from three, but just barely. 
So uh, after the game, Kendall Gill, he talked a little bit about uh, Selden, who comes in. Wayne Selden, yeah. He's a bench guy, obviously. Three of three from threes. (laughs) I know. And he said when he was into the ball moved, uh, then Will Purdue, he says, uh, Dunn plays better with the second unit. He looks more comfortable. I think he plays better with the third unit. Well, that's that's Will, da- uh, as Jiggs used to say, damning with St. Bruce. Yes, it is. He plays better with the second unit. Yeah. Uh, Will Purdue, now he pointed, Will pointed out, and then this could be again because there's more open lanes, like Stacy said. Levine was driving. He only took two three ball shots. He mm-hmm. was one for two because he's known where he, remember he used to launch. Oh, launch. Yeah. So it's one game. I understand that. But there could be something here where this trade is really under the radar as far as everyone was saying what I'm leading up. Everyone was so mad at Pax. So mad about everything. Uh, the, and the money, like you pointed out, now there That's goes, the biggest, that's the biggest problem. I mean, but a lot no of people. one's coming here. A lot of people said that Otto Porter, you know, right? is a good, is a decent player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but having to pay him $55.7 million over the next two years prevents you from being able to p- sign a max guy. And that's what. Uh, Pax and Gar had pointed to that in 2019 they would have money for max players. Well, now you're not going to do that. You're not going to have that kind of money because you're paying this guy $27 million next year. So, 91% it appears that's from one of our, you know, oh, do I want the Bulls to win uh, winning streak? Uh, no, 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 no. 91% said no. no. We don't want that. So let's assume that means 91% want to see major changes. All right. At least that's what it sounded like during right, the week. Right. I mean, it was a dog pile. Yeah. Well, uh, and then rightly so. I know. I understand. Nothing's been good. Well, I, and I know I, I'll aggravate some people, but that's what I like to do. Um, dog pile? No, just uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson are running the team, and Michael Reinsdorf is basically making money decisions, and they're not going anywhere. So s- calling and complaining about them makes no sense. It's what they call low-hanging fruit. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, and we've heard two and a half days of it. So, you know, you got to come up with solutions. I have one. Okay. And it'll it'll uh, abide by your parameters right okay. there. All right? Now, I'm not advocating this, but for 91% of the Bulls fans, maybe this would appease you, okay? To solve the Bulls' problem, in quotes, you know, air quotes, right? right? And problem is, see, Phil Jackson's sitting out there. Phil Jackson and a buddy of mine were both pumping gasoline in Phoenix, in Scottsdale, 12 months ago at the same time. Okay. Hey, how you doing? You're Phil? Yeah, yeah, I'm so-and-so from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're with the Bulls now, Phil. I, yeah, yeah. And now, I sort of hate to do this. Are you sure you mean Phil Jackson? <laughs> no. You don't mean Phil Jackson? Thank you. Okay. No, no, Doug Collins. Right. Thank God Fred's here every day. <laughs> At first, I couldn't imagine Thank Phil Jackson God. getting pumping out of his gas. car and pumping gas. I can't I'm, imagine Phil Jackson being in Arizona. I can't he remember. likes Montana right. wilderness. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine him pumping his own gas. That Thanks. too. He probably has like a car that runs off of vegetable oil. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no doubt. Thanks, Bob. I mean, Fred. <laughs> so, he's busy with Doug Collins. So, uh-huh. with the balls. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm an advisor. So... How's it going? And Doug Collins, now, this probably is not something I should put on the radio because he wasn't talking to a reporter, right? He was. He says, I come here, and 
I didn't know how badly they wanted to tank. He said, this is against everything in my in my body. Uh-huh. Kind of, I hate tanking. Yeah. And now I'm here. I'm helping out. I'm adv- And they're all they're talking about is tanking. This was last year, you A said, year right? ago. Okay. Thank you. Right. A year ago. Okay. So, as you mentioned, the Reinsdorfs, they only want to have people that they know, it appears, which is fine. Front office, top layer, people they know, comfortable with. They're comfortable with Doug. What if... What if they named Doug Collins like Theo Epstein? The top guy. President. Numero uno. President of basketball operations. Uh Now you could keep Pax if you want. You could keep Gar if you want. It'd be up to that'd be up to Doug. Right. Would that be something that would be interesting? Because they're not going to bring in someone they don't know. It appears. Mm-hmm. I just have you ever heard of a sports office that has three executives like I that? Know, well, no, because know? I said so. The reason is everyone wants Paxson out, so well, and everyone would be not, happy with Collins I taking know. his spot. But they're not. That's not right. going to happen. See, right. We know exactly. they're not. They're going not going to have three executives but, button heads in the front but, office. No, no, they're not. He's the boss. And you got it. And so, what's Paxson then underneath him? He's not going to answer well, to him. Then, then he quits. Or if he we wants to, only stay. hope. Well, he has no more. He's an, now he's the advisor to the boss. He's no longer got any vote. So he's Gar now. Well, both of them. <laughs> Gar's not going anywhere because, as we take... all know, Gar's wife and Michael Reinsdorf's wife are going to all the uh, bazaars and the meetings yeah. and the I thought that was things. I thought that was the dumbest thing I've heard in bizarre, all of sports right. last year. Yeah. Um, but the the other thing is maybe Gar could actually do some scouting because we heard from Nick Friedel yesterday that the Bulls have the smallest scouting department in yeah. all of the NBA. Hey, how about this? How about Pax make him the head coach then for a while, interim if you yeah, want, he, for a year? Yeah, they, he had asked him about well, that. Well, then he would leave. He said he doesn't want well, to do that. Well, that's fine. Yeah. See, this Doug Collins is being wasted. And he's there. And I'm sure there's guys better than him, but they're not going to bring in a guy that they don't know. So. Yeah. Why is the flagstick coming out of the hole? I don't know what you're talking about. Let's bring in a guy that knows. Usually it never comes out of the hole when I'm putting. <laughs> Randy Merkin. We got baseball top of the hour. Yeah, Phil Jackson pumping gas in Arizona doesn't make much sense, yeah, does it? No. <laughs> Thank For God. a couple reasons. Thank goodness. One, I can't even imagine him getting in and out of a car. It would take about 10 minutes. Thank goodness. Yeah, trying to unfold like yeah. a uh, chase lounge. <laughs> with with, that, with those hips and those shoulders. <laughs> Man, oh man. Murph and Fred. Hey, baseball top of the hour, Bob Nightingale, ESPN 1000. A rule changes in all sports every year, and, and one of the ones in golf this year is leaving the flagstick in. And outside of the Bryson DeChambeau physics lesson on why he, you know, <laughs> will keep it in and such, what do you think of that? Because we're seeing it more and more early on in this season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I haven't quite got, quite got into the coefficient of restitution or whatever it is that Bryson gets into, but um, I you know I think it benefits. You know, if you've got a fast downhill putt, um, you know, and you know the only way the ball's really going to stop is by hitting that flagstick. Of course, you're going to keep it in, but I think it's a, it's a weird thing as well. It's the visual of 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 now you know putting to a hole with with this you know this this flagstick in it is is so different than what a lot of guys have done for a long time. So it'll take a while to get used to. Some guys have, have 
um, embraced it more than others. I mean, I'll, you know, for longer putts or downhill putts, I'll leave it in for, but for a, you know, a flat six footer, um, I'll, I'll take, you know, the hole looks bigger when the flag sticks out. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the flag out for that. But it is, it's a real, you know, every sports change, change rules every now and again. And, um, you know, it's just the way it is. I think for the recreational golfer, it, it, it'll make the game quicker. It'll make it sort of easier to understand, you know, ready golf, go ahead and play. And I think that's uh, ultimately a really good thing for the game. Rory McIlroy on uh, with the uh, morning guys. I go again, uh, Wingo, Miss Little, Miss a lot. You know what, Fred, we're very lucky. We're going to visit now with the Murph and Fred uh, golf expert, a mild-mannered assistant program director also for a great metropolitan radio station. Let's bring in Randy Mountain. Good morning, Randy. Boys, how are we? We're doing fine, Randy. We're doing great. Fancy head of Randy Merkin, not just one of the uh, very valuable uh, people here at ESPN 1000, but a golf guy. And uh, so are you going to uh, take your st- stick out or uh, put your stick in? Uh, that's a personal question, Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, when I play golf, Murph, I need all the help I can get. Oh, so I'm yeah. going to keep. I'm going to. I think I'm going to keep the stick in for now. You know, and and I think what you know, Rory was talking about, and Bryson DeChambeau definitely putts with uh, with the flag in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what golf tried to do in the off season with a lot of the rules is they wanted to speed up the game. I think they've heard so many complaints how the game was so slow, kind of boring. So by the fact of you can just go up, you know, take the flag stick out if it's a short putt, just knock it in. Um, but for some people like Adam Scott, who, when they took the anchored putter away from him, was having tons of issues with putting, he, he all of a sudden has found a new way of putting. He loves it with the flag stick in, and he's doing a, a much better job putting. So um, I think it's a good idea to, to keep the flag stick in. I mean, it's up to each individual, but, you know, there used to be a rule once the flag stick out, it has to stay out, you know, but, so you can technically put the flag stick back in, take it back out, but it, I think it, in the long run, it's a good move, and it's uh, it's. I got aesthetically, it's a little weird uh-huh. to look at, you know, when you're when you're watching it. And I'm sure people who haven't watched a lot of golf yet will probably watch a lot of Pebble Beach this weekend. But um, yeah, I, I think golf has some of it right. Uh, there's a couple other rules they need to change, but they made a lot of good uh, changes in the off season, Murph, with a lot of rules. Okay, Randy, will they ever go to what he was saying? Will they ever go to ready golf, where the the pros just get to the ball and hit it instead of having to wait? Because that's that's what takes so darn long. You know, Fred, that's a good that's a good question, and I think you know um, they don't do that yet, but they're doing it. They kind of do it with, whether, uh, for example, like a player has a ruling, the other two guys will play up. Okay. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, like ready golf, like how we play on the weekends. Sure. Uh, is is something? Yeah. I mean, it's you know anything to help speed up the game. I I don't know if they want to do uh, that much, but I think you know certainly it's an idea for the future. Now, I don't know if you guys saw one. One uh, one rule they have to change still. Ricky Fowler last week uh, in the Waste Management Open. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but he chipped over the green. He had a five-stroke lead, and the ball goes into the water. So then he places the ball down, so it's ready to play. He's going up to the green to see where the flag is, so where see how far he has, how much green he has to work with. And the ball inadvertently, not being touched, just rolls back in the water. He gets another. Penalty, another stroke penalty. Even though he didn't touch it, with even his, though he had uh, he didn't touch it, had nothing to do with it. The ball was in play, and it just miraculously rolled back in the water. So, you know, he was giving them grief on the next hole. You know what a dumb rule, and it is a dumb rule. But uh, they did a good job, like in the off season. Like for instance, if you mark a ball 
and or if you're about to mark a ball and it moves a little bit before you mark it on the green, you got a one-stroke penalty before. Now there's no penalty on that. So they are doing a good job of trying to change some rules. I know everyone rips golf. It's slow. It's boring. But they get it. They're trying to change some of the rules. And Tiger Woods is back, so that always helps. Too. Well, and just imagine, really, because people, I know the, the main question for most people, probably the networks themselves, well, how are we going to cover this? you got split screens. How cool would it be? Here's two guys. Here's here's this guy taking his shot, and they're both up on the screen at the same time. I mean, nobody's watching on a 24-inch TV anymore, a 25-inch TV. Most people watching TVs are now watching on at least a 35-inch TV or bigger. And, you know, the split screen in golf showing two at the same time would be awesome true and they do do that sometimes fred okay i have i have seen that but that's another good idea yeah but um you know there's there's a lot of ways golf can still improve but murph i think the flag stick in Mm -hmm. yeah is is a good start is a good start there's uh you know they they changed the way you drop the ball now too and you know on a penalty and uh so it's uh they're they're going in the right direction they're evolving they're evolving randy merkin with us so back on the uh, new flag stick rule for non-golfers out there i believe it used to be a two-stroke penalty randy if you played uh, from the putting you know on the green and you struck the pin so what right if the flag was in correct right right Right. so now that's gone so now the flag stick is your friend evidently so let's let's let me ask you guys this on a short putt now this is going to lower scores all long term maybe just a little but you would would you think off it's it's not going to raise scores it's going to lower scores let's say now you got a uh a short putt with the little break you can now ram it in right you can hit it take the any breakout hit it hard knowing that you're going to clang boom drop in i mean there will be strategy to this nevertheless there, there will be but i'm not necessarily sold that it's going to help on a short putt like that because i still think um you know for instance i saw a couple guys last week with the flag stick in do what, exactly what you're talking about, Merv, mm-hmm. and they and they missed the putts because they almost hit it too hard, okay. thinking they were going to have that uh-huh. that backboard, you know, that with the uh, with the flag stick in. So, um, I think you know where it's going to help, as Rory brought up, like on a logger putt, you know, where uh, where you can just kind of hit it a little harder, knowing that if you hit the pin, it's going to stop it at least, stop the momentum, and not have it go, you know, six seven feet past the hole. But on the shorter putts, in my opinion, I think it almost makes more sense to take the flag flag stick out but that's just that's just my thought on it so you have your uh, at&t pebble beach pro-am you're getting uh, geared up for what do we have a uh, tie right now mickelson and uh, jordan spieth there's like five guys six guys tied for the lead yeah Yeah, because they play on three different courses right right three different courses yeah okay and there was a fan something happened yesterday uh it was spieth uh hit the ball struggling here it says on the par five seventh randy hitting out from under a tree over another tree through the fairway and then his third shot to the right of the green. Came up at grandmother's house. Well, Spieth immediately <laughs> called for a ruling when he saw a fan. Let the record show that was not you, Randy. You were here it yesterday. not me. No. Uh, his no. Hand, hand swatted the ball. The fan swatted the ball back on the green. The official, rules official, went to the fan. He said, oh, no, I didn't intentionally do it, which had a big bearing, I guess, on the ruling, right? Absolutely. Now, I, I'm curious because <laughs> I, I didn't hear this. Did they, they, they had to move it back to where it, it Landed, right? They didn't leave it on the green, did they? Uh, the rules official talked to the fan, uh, according to the AP, who said he threw his hands up when the ball landed in front of him and that he did not intentionally hit the ball. That meant Spieth played it from the green wow. instead of chipping from that spot. Unintentional. Wow. wow. 
Yeah. It'll be that's the that's the problem when fans are so involved in the game, and they really are. They're so close mm-hmm. to the greens. They're so close in the fairways. Um, you know, they you know sometimes they can actually help out. You know, a, a golfer who who hits a wayward shot. So yeah, that's an that's an interesting calling. Again, okay. you know, it probably it probably took ten minutes for them to decide what to do, which Uh-oh. which hurts golf as well. But <laughs> not ready golf. Yeah, it'll be interesting right. when they <laughs> it'll be interesting when they see that same fan on every hole that Spieth plays today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Murph, one more thing. Yeah. How about our guy uh, Commissioner Rob Manford? Uh, saying no DH probably for a couple more years in National League. Well, as I uh, feel today, it was a beautiful day for Murphy uh, yesterday, last night. A, the Bulls won. I hope they win 10 in a row. 91% are voting against me. What are you, crazy? We want to lose 10 in a row. I love it when they win. And number two, the DH in the National League, again, put on hold in one, two, maybe three years. But funny you should mention that. You guys are just delaying the obvious. They dog-piled on you yesterday, Randy. Andy. Yes. Four, yeah. It was four on one, uh, host on assistant PD uh, crime. And I felt <laughs> you had four guys on you, and you were the other. No, please, please. I Now, did you hear Tim Kirchin? I have a soundbiter just for you. He is on your side on the DH. Let's eavesdrop. Don't discount that a lot of these National League teams and players don't want any part of the DH. Personally, I wish the DH would just go away and the pitchers would bat in both leagues. But that's not going to happen. So I'm all in favor of let's just make the rules the same in each league. But I can't imagine, I don't even think it could happen in 2020. Tim Kirchner hates the DH. I do and you do. We're the only three Lone Rangers out there. <laughs> Murph, we gotta, we got to stay strong, all right? Stay strong. But he Stra- did. Strategy involved in the game. Let's go. But Tim Kirchner agreed. With, uh, Fred has always said what Kirchner said at the end. Yeah, well, you got to have, you got to have the, both leagues playing the same rules. You can't. Every <laughs> single day there's interleague baseball, which means every single day an American League team cannot have their DH play. And how many times is a pitcher in the American League team going to face a National League team maybe twice a year? So why is he supposed to take BP all year long? It's a stupid, it's a disadvantage for American yeah. League pitchers every time they play in a National League. So card. you'll dump the DH and if and have no DH, that way it'd be the same. I, I, I wouldn't care if it was either way, but right. you're never going to have is the baseball union is never going to give up to the DH. Randy, ever. let's let's you and I do a, about 15 minutes on this someday, maybe in the hallway though, because I don't know if the <laughs> listeners want to hear it. Because I'm good. with you. Sounds good, Merv. All right, thanks for jumping in. Thanks, Randy. Randy Martin. Hey, well, well, one more quick yeah. prediction for you yeah. for all your listeners out there: Bryson DeChambeau is going to win the Masters this year. The oh, Masters. Yes, that comes up in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, no, uh, a couple months, but well, yeah, okay. his his yeah. study says Mark Putts drop with the pin in. So there you go. Mark, mark it down. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. All right, talk to you guys later. Randy Mark and the Murph and Friends. I'm going to see if I can go make a futures bet now based on what Merck said. <laughs> Baseball top of the hour, Bob Nightingale. Got some sound bites here, and we'll look yeah, at... there's uh, a nasty rumor going around out in New York. All right. And a... Uh, we haven't talked about Manny Macho yet, have we, uh-uh. today? No? Nope. And uh, vote now. Last chance to vote. The Bulls should name Doug Collins president of basketball operations. A, yes, do it today. Or B, no, no. His day is past. Vote now. We'll return in a moment to ESPN 1000. Hope you're having a great Saturday. I'm Mike Murphy. 
He's Fred Huebner. I'm the Cub fan from Lions Township High School at Grange. Fred's the Sox fan from good old Morton East yeah, in and, Cicero. And today I'll be out at uh, the Westmont Winter Beer Fest. Whoa. Uh, around 3 o'clock today, sampling a bunch of local beers in the suburban area. Wow, that's a home game for wait. you. That's yes. right near you. Very, very close. So uh, it'll be cheap, fun. Cheap on the Uber. Uh, it, my, the wife's, my wife is going to drop me off. Uh-huh. I almost called her the wife, and she I hates heard. that. No, no. Uh, and then, uh, not that she listens. She, yeah. she thinks I'm speaking a foreign language when she listens to sports radio because she doesn't right. like sports. And then she told me, she goes, you might be able to Uber home. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, because I'm not going to drive with any of the people that are at the beer fest with me. Too far to walk. Yeah. Where it is, yes. It's over on, like, Ogden in uh, Ty Warner Park on Ogden in Blackhawk. Taiwan on. Yeah. It's going to be... Uh, well, you can only get 20 samples, you know, 20 four-ounce samples. See, if, do the math. That's not that much beer. Or if it were Carbondale back in the day, you'd hitchhike home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be doing that. No. Maybe I just walk on over to the Toyota dealer there and pick up a car and drive home. I heard the guys talking about their Uber ratings the other day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I got mine, too. I'm 5.0. Are you? Yeah. You know, how many of you take, taking a lot? No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you I'm had like, to ask, didn't you? I'm like four six, four eight. I'm pretty high because I always, I always give high ratings. You look so. about, you look about five eleven. I know. Me. I always give high ratings, except yeah. unless the guy's really a jerk and listening to bad radio. What? Let's bring in. Oh, I thought you listening to us. No, 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 no. That's no. an automatic five star. If I get in the Uber and ESPN one thousands on ah. five stars, five, five stars, yeah. Yeah. That's great, Eric. Thank you. Uh, in fact, uh, let's bring in EO11. EO11. All right, uh, Eric, uh, the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter polls are red hot today. Uh, a or B, the Bulls should name Doug Collins president of basketball operations. And then whoever wants to stay with their do something or stick, if John wants to stay in coach or, stick, or guy or whatever, but... The boss man, top down, and we know they only like to hire people they know the Ryan's does, which is fine. Well, that's fine, whatever. Uh, yes, do it today, or no, 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 come on. His day, his days are past. His day is past. I would hope that we got a nice above 50 response on yes today, but I, I don't think know. You might, I think you might be 50 50. Okay, Eric. 63% say yes. yes. Let's get Doug Collins okay. in there today. Why not? We did get one write-in vote for Fred Hubner. <laughs> yeah, that Kevin Annis said he wants Fred Hubner over Paxson. Yeah. Well, lovely Pat uh, votes sometimes, I guess, huh? And, uh, yeah, she, would, you know, she wouldn't know how. <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense. You got Doug Collins. He's done everything. He knows everything in the game. Yeah. And uh, maybe the days are over for the other guys. You, you don't have to fire them. You keep them. You let them do their thing. And But the, the Theo Epstein of the Bulls, the top guy, his word is stands, would be Doug Collins. And uh, I, I didn't think it would be that high. 63, did you say that? Yeah. I didn't think it'd be that high. Well, I'm going to tell you. If, if, in fact, Doug Collins is listening, and Doug, yeah. we loved having you on. We, we used to have Doug Collins sure. on a weekly basis way back in the day. Uh-huh. And, Doug, if you're listening, now it taught, teaches you one thing. <laughs> don't ever talk to anybody when you're pumping gas. Okay? I you can't believe we're tanking here. You don't know who it is you're talking to when you're I pumping gas. I don't believe gas. we're tanking. Just be pleasant. How you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm having a great day. Thank you. Uh, Twitter poll question active right now. Stay on here, Eric. Oh. Why don't you want the DH in the National League? A, 
I'm sorry. Why yeah. do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why do you want? Why do you want the uh, DH in the National League? Uh, no, I don't want the DH. That would be A or B. I don't want the D. I, I, uh, uh, the pitchers can't hit, so that's why we need the DH. Just okay. pitchers can't hit. Uh, C. It'll be more action, more hits, more runs, more exciting. Uh, or or uh, D. It, it allows the aging veterans to you know stay in the game longer. So I want to know what's the reason. Uh, that uh, you want that DH so badly in the National League. You can say, no, I don't. I'm, well, that'll be about uh, 2%. Or uh, the pitchers can't hit. That's going to win. Or uh, the more action. Well, that might win, too, the more yeah. action. And D, the original reason the American League, Fred put the DH in back in the mid-'70s, was guys like Rico Cardi, Hank Aaron, they wanted the aging veterans that could no longer play the field their bats keep those guys around. Yeah, but who was the first one? Um, Ron Bloomberg. Yeah, yeah. For, for whatever reason, they didn't need to keep him around any longer. <laughs> I'd go with I'd go with the third one. More action, more, more action. hits, more runs. More action, more hits. Even above, I hate watching the pitchers come to the plate. Yeah, what that's kind of one in one a for me. What do we have? This is virtually a three way tie. I love it. So at the bottom, with only 8%, is I... let aging players play longer. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. We have an upset coming up here. Okay. And then, so 29%, 31%, 32% of the other three. Statistical tie. Exactly. So uh, more hits and runs with 29%. Yeah. Pitchers can't hit with 31%. Uh-huh. And 32% of the voters says they don't want the DH. Send that to Randy Merkin, would you? <laughs> 32% don't want it. Now, those 32% are all National League fans. Well, of course, it was set up that way, They may too. be NL fans, and they can't be Cubs fans, because that only helps the Cubs if there's a DH. Oh, yeah, Schwarbs, and then you got Hap, Happer out in left right. field with the glove. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You got John Lester, who all of a sudden can hit now. He was like 0 for 66 with the Red Sox. Yeah, and then, then he, he came comes, here, he started hitting the ball. smacking the ball. Bouncing the ball off the left center field wall, we'll going t- the other way. We'll talk uh, real Is he going baseball. the other way on purpose, or do you just swing late? I think he's, go- I think he's just laying it out there. He's going okay. with the pitches, they okay. say. Bob Nightingale next. We'll get some real baseball talks from the USA Today Baseball Insiders. Murph and Fred back in a flash ESPN 1000. One minute away from national baseball expert Bob Nightingale over to USA today. Murph and Fred, busy day. First two hours are now gone somewhere near Pluto. You should be able to get them on the podcast. Yeah. I, had a, I had a person call me the other day. Well, do that. And he said you, they couldn't find us on the podcast, but I know that Eric Ostrowski will make sure. sure. Eric, where's the best place people can find the Murph and Fred show afterwards on the podcast? Mm-hmm. Go to ESPNChicago.com, and then underneath it'll say, like, podcast. It'll have a Cap one, a Waddle and Sylvie one, and then a generic ESPN Chicago one. You click on that one, and you guys are underneath all the ESPN Chicago ones. Okay. ESPN it'll say ESPN Murph and Chicago. Fred right in the title. Head. We're the generic show? Is that yes, what you're saying? Well, that's where all except the daytime shows well, go. It's better than geriatric show. Right. Okay. Well, it's that too, but they didn't have a <laughs> space for that. Uh, get your vote in right now. We have a new Twitter poll question uh, up from a, oh, a couple hours ago, but we haven't answered it yet. So your last chance to vote. Five years from today, which will be the worst trade? Eloy and Dylan Cease for Quintana, made by Mr. Epstein, or Fernando Tatis Jr. to the Padres, for uh, 
James Shields, almost forgot his first name, we never say his name anymore, by Rick Hahn. 204 innings last year. Which will be the worst trade when it's all said and done. Vote now at ESPN 1000. But let's talk a little baseball, uh, national uh, baseball, coast to coast. Once or twice a year, Bob Nightingale's always nice enough to say, sure, I'll come out with Murph and Fred for a few minutes on a Saturday. Mike Murphy here, Fred Humor alongside. Good morning, Roberto. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm still there. Doing great. Hey, hi, Bob. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Uh, so much to go through, so let's rifle through here quickly. Uh, my uh, longtime great partner, Fred Hubner, has always had this one theory. You know, all these rule changes, projected baseball rules changes, this and that, three batters you got to face, the D, it's got to be more exciting, got to move quicker, and, you know, we don't have time for anything. We got to appeal to the the new fans out there, right, Fred? Yeah, and, uh, you know, Bob, they all keep talking pace of play and all that stuff. And my biggest thing is, if the men- millennials don't like baseball now, they're not going to like it if it's twenty minutes shorter. Um, huh. did, did you see? Did you agree with me, or do you think that you know changes in pace of play or anything can actually bring in some of the younger crowd? No, I mean, well, bring in younger crowd is just you know more balls are put in play. You know, all these strikeouts and walks. You know, and the uh, it gets old. It's like a uh, you know old reruns of the old home run derby. It's just a. Uh, Tough to watch. You know, you're not seeing hit and runs, stolen bases. So the younger audience, you're right, are, are losing. And it's not because if you know the games are if they're you know, 10, 15 minutes longer. Who cares? I mean, there's some fabulous games that are four, four and a half hours in, in the postseason. You can care less. But but I do think there's a problem just in action in baseball. Well, you know, it's funny too because one of the things that you know, and Theo Epstein said it at the end of uh, the uh, his postseason press conference last year, and a lot of the young general managers are talking about it. It's all launch angle, launch angle, launch angle. And I know I've seen a lot of experts say, you know what? If people would forget about a little bit of the launch angle and worry about making contact a little bit more, we wouldn't see guys hitting two twenty with thirty five homers. We'd actually see the ball put in play more often and fewer strikeouts. But it doesn't seem that that's the way it's going. As long as this launch launch angle phase just keeps on you know, developing. Yeah, you look at Boston Red Sox, they never bought into that thing. You know, they just put the ball in play. And I, you know, Ian Kinsler during the playoffs said, when it become acceptable to have strikeouts? You hmm. put the ball in play, anything can happen. You know, errors, the ball hits a rock, bad bounce, what have you. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> you still love it when <laughs> Tony Gwynn and Rock Lee oh, used to hit. Right, put uh, the ball in play and run around, you know. It's not like a... Uh, those guys are striking out. Just, you know, it gets boring. Carew and Gwen, two of the greats, but the magic wand. Those guys, they could lay it out. Wee Willie Keeler. I worked with Wee Willie Keeler back around 1912, and uh, he said, hit them where they ain't. I go, okay, Willie, that's a good idea. And I tried to pass that along. Yeah, they, didn't worry, they didn't worry about breaking the shift back then. You but know. Bob Nightingale, well, Fred, perfect. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let's uh, uh, follow up on that, uh, Bob Nightingale. The launch angle and the shift. Now, how, how about this theory of mine? Maybe you've had it kicked around already, probably. When, when the launch angle, I think everybody knows what that means. I don't think you can go oppo with well, if you're bearing in on launch angle, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. Braun, he can maybe launch Apple, you know, maybe. But the shift, 
I, but, you know, every, I thought for the last three, four years, well, the hitters will adjust the Rod Carews, the Tony Gwynns, like you say, Bob. And eventually, they'll go oppo, and the shift then will correct itself back where it belongs. It's become apparent that either they don't want to go oppo, or they're unable to go oppo. And pitchers, now they're throwing 98 and canned heat, and it's hard to you know, place the ball like we Willie Keeler when these guys are throwing sliders down and in on you at uh, you know, 92, 94. But Bob, is sabermetrics, the launch angle, is that really going to force uh, ending the shift? In other words, can you go oppo when you're worried about also launching? No, just, you know, don't, uh, yeah, I don't know why everybody's worried about launching. They'll just, you know, learn to hit better. I remember talking to Don Manley a few years ago in uh, yeah. in spring training camp, and he says, uh, you know, there's no reason to ban the shit or anything like that. Just learn to hit. I mean, why can't the guys are giving you a whole left side of the infield? Just lay the ball, ball down, you know, bunt. And, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know why guys are so stubborn uh, and try to hit into the shit. Just hit away from it, you know. <laughs> You know, you don't have to go. You don't have to go. You don't have to go deep. You know, go ahead and just slap the single in a way. Yeah. yeah, well, you know what? I guess people, you know, they figure the singles hitters don't get the big paycheck, so they all want to hit the home runs and use the launch angle and things like that. And speaking of big money. We come around to it, you know, the elephant in the room, uh, Manny Machado. I know I heard you the other day. I was watching you on uh, uh, baseball or MLB Network, and and I've heard you talk about uh, Manny Machado and the White Sox. And there's a nasty rumor now that the Yankees may get, be getting back involved. Uh, what's the latest you've heard on Machado and and even Harper for that case? Yeah, I think both the uh, you know the White Sox and Machado and the, and Harper the Phillies, you know, they're playing smart. They're doing like the. Uh, Boston Red Sox did a year ago with J.D. Martinez. Hey, here's our offer, five years at 110. You know, uh, it's going to be around. We're not pulling, pulling it off the table. You know, come and take it. And eventually he says, oh, I want to play baseball. I don't want to flip burgers for a living. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the offer. And uh, I think this is what the White Sox are doing with, with, with Machado. Uh, you know, I, Yankees, you know, they could jump in at a small uh, short-term contract. They're not going in a long-term contract. They're, they're not going to do that. There were, uh, you know, rumors that they're offering, you know, two hundred twenty million over seven or eight years. Yankees flatly deny that. So, you know, if he's interested in two or three year deal, yes. But, but, you know, I, I think the White Sox are playing this thing very smart. The uh, buyout they talk about, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, I don't know if he's publicly said it, but I know from inside the sources, he's, I've never given those buyouts. The buyout being after three years, uh, like the player opt-out maybe is what I'm trying opt-out, to say. Right. I'm sorry, uh, Bob and Fred. Yeah, you know, uh, some owners say, why would I, you know, give a guy six years if he's in the tank for three years? He just locks me up for three more, but he can run away if he's doing well. The opt-out really doesn't make a lot of sense for the owner, does it? No, it's a uh, you know huge advantage for the player. That way, he can you know leave and, and get more money, and that's what Arod did with the Yankees. He turned a ten-year, two hundred fifty million dollar contract mm-hmm. into a ten-year, two hundred seventy-five million dollar extension a few years later. Uh, you know, it's not like the teams are getting opt out. Says, hey, the guy has a crummy two years. You know, can I opt out? Can I opt out? You know, uh, but you're right. I've heard the same thing with the White Sox that they really do not want to give an opt-out you know, clause to anybody. Sure. The, uh, I know the Cubs were hoping for an opt-out. on. They wanted to opt-out of uh, Jason Hayward, but uh, that didn't work. They didn't have that written in. No, they only have five <laughs> years left. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Bad enough they've already had three. Yeah, it is. 
But you know what? If it wasn't for him and giving that speech in the locker room, they wouldn't have won that World Series. And, and Chatwood's got two more at 13-13. And you Darvish got, has four more. Good reports. Darvish, Darvish is smiling. He's happy and uh, speaking uh, English to the reporters. And he feels good. So uh, I guess that 22 times five remaining is just fine, Bob. <laughs> Yeah, and here's a guy he thought he was going to get more money. I think a lot of people did last year, too. Wow. And, uh, you know, finally fell in the White Sox lap, I mean, the Cubs lap. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, he certainly had a terrible year, was injured. Uh, big year for him. Uh, yeah. Huge year for him. I think if he's in a down year, you know, he'll never get that, you know, trust from the, from the Cubs fans. Oh, if he see, bounces back, like, all all's forgiven. Oh. You, you see, Bob tries to stay away from the Cubs camp because yeah. then he knows he's going to have to see Jesse Rogers. So he, try, he tries to stay away from that. <laughs> tries to stay. I'll see him in a couple yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, make, make sure for once in his life he throws in five bucks for a beer, okay? Once, you know. <laughs> Jesse Rogers was my first producer about 25, 30 years ago. He's a good kid, good yeah. kid. Uh, the designated hit. Now, we're getting conflicting reports. Fred was pointing out that the DH and the NL is on hold for till at least, what, 29? Well, yeah, but, but I thought Rob Manfred said that it, it was it was uh, it wouldn't happen this year, probably down the road. And then there were other reports. Well, yeah, Bob, we have a report. This is from the Sun-Times Wires. I didn't know they have wires anymore. No DH in the NL until at least 2022. Uh, this decision, according to uh, USA Today, uh, two officials, baseball officials, with direct knowledge of the decision. Uh, uh, no plans to adopt the universal DL till uh, uh, 2022 at the earliest after uh, the uh, completion. This was found out at the owners' meetings in Orlando. Was that one of your guys over at uh, USA Today, or what? What do you think the uh, time frame now is for NL uh, universal DH? Yeah, I think no earlier than 2022. Uh, when I was told it had to be collective, you know, in, in next collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of National League owners, too, are fighting this. You know, especially in, in cities like uh, St. Louis, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, they, they don't want to see that. So I think it's coming. I think it's inevitable. But, but not until 2022. Do you think that's one of the reasons the Mets went after Robinson Cano is that they thought it was going to happen maybe sooner because, you know, a guy like that, maybe you can make him your, your DH. And I know that I think that's one of the reasons Theo just keeps Schwarber around because he keeps thinking the DH is going to come in sooner. Yeah, I don't think any sooner. I really don't. Okay. Uh, too many people are opposed to this. And, I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a card that the owners have in their back pocket you know, for the next uh, bargaining agreement. I, I think they're, you know, Kind of hoping for the you know Cano was hoping to be a DH at the you know last couple of years and that may still happen. They can still play second base for right. a few more years. Yeah, uh, they're just trying to prove themselves. And you know, hey, there's a uh, there's a lot there's a lot of players that aren't great defensively. So in you know, the scoreboards are rolled, you know, they're all over baseball. Just if you can hit, they'll mm. find a place for you. I got there's two pictures I want to ask you about what what the latest you might have heard on these two guys and they both start with a K. Uh Kluber and Keichel. Uh have you heard anything about where these two guys may end up or it's stay you know or will Kluber stay where he's at? Yeah, so like now Kluber will definitely stay where he's at with with Cleveland. Uh yeah, they have such a great pitching staff. Yeah. They might as well stay pat and uh you know go get some offensive help during the summer. You know, they're going to win that division anyway by you know by a million games. Uh, and I think a uh, you know Keiko, I could see you know Philadelphia, or I could see him going back to uh, you know going back to Houston. 
Cincinnati was interested for a while, then they backed off completely. So, you know, he wants $100 million. I'm not sure you're going to find a team that they give him that. Bob, I got a uh, text here from a, a White Sox fan uh, looking at the AL Central, as you and Fred were just quickly looking at. He says, uh, Murph, Cleveland, uh, they've just lost Lindor for you know a few weeks, it looks like, after opening day. But Cleveland has gone backwards big time. Gone. Uh, Encarnacion, Chisenhall, Brantley, Gomes. They did pick up Santana. The Sox fan here says, if the Sox... Signed guys like uh, Keichel, okay, Dallas Keichel, and if they got the Machado, they could win the division. Is that division up for grabs, or do you think Cleveland's going to be there uh, nevertheless? Yeah, I think it's up for grabs in 2020, but not not this year. Uh, Cleveland still got this thing, and I think even you know the White Sox. You know, we'll tell you realistically, mm-hmm. 2020 is when we think you know, hey, Kopech will be back then. Uh, you know, Jimenez will have uh, a lot, you know, some experience under his belt, and then you know, Dylan Cease, you know, will have more experience. So, yeah, I, I think 2020 realistically, I don't see anybody okay. touching the Indians this year. National League Central, uh, Pakota. And love them or hate them, they're wrong about as often as they're correct, but they're still fun. They put out their, you know, projections. Uh, and uh, there's a, a, a pair of, everyone's got their own assistants. The Pythagorean theory, you know, that Bill James and those guys. But they had all five <laughs> National League Central teams. I don't know if you saw it. It just came out yesterday or whatever with at least 81 wins. They had uh, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati at 81. I think the Cubs at... Uh, 82. 82. And uh, leading the pack there, uh, St. Louis-Milwaukee, Milwaukee-St. Louis. Anyway, that'd be amazing to see all five teams in a division, 500 or above. I don't know if that's ever happened. Yeah, I'm not sure it has either. You know, if it happened, probably AL East, you know, years ago... Uh... Yeah, I, I think realistically, mm-hmm. it's a three-team division. You know, Cubs, Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals. Uh, flip a coin. Uh, you know, a lot of things went right for the Brewers last year. They stayed pretty healthy. Uh, you know, Josh Hader was unbelievable. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, St. Louis got Paul Goldschmidt. That's going to huh. help them uh, immeasurably. They got the deepest, uh, probably the deepest pitching staff in the, in the National League. And of course, the Cubs had so much health problems. We'll see what happens. So and, yeah, I think it's a yeah. know, three-headed coin flip right there. And along with Goldschmidt, uh, Marcel Ozuna had uh, a monster August September when he got healthier and got in the groove. Bob Nightingale, final couple of minutes. Always appreciate Bob's personal time. Check him out at USA Today. I hear a lot of chatter the last month. There's a boy, you know, baseball. They're really missing the boat here. Uh, they're not signing these free agents. There's no talk. And I'm thinking, what? Hey, do you think that really baseball's missing out? There's been more talk the last two and a half months because they're not signing these guys. What are your thoughts on, boy, they got to put some type of rule in, which you couldn't do. You know, you got to sign your guys by this day. I don't see where they're losing out. There's as much talk as ever, Bob. Yeah, I mean, it really what loses out is just the team that eventually signs these guys. Uh-huh. Uh, say White Sox got Machado. Yeah, a lot of people already spent their uh, their Christmas money and stuff like that, and they can't afford season tickets now. If you had signed Machado in November, December, you know you would be able to market him, put him on your your media guide, and everything else. You know, same same as Harper. So that's the only uh, you know disadvantage is that 
the teams don't get to market these guys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, early on for the first year right. they're there. All right. Hey, speaking of early on, do you think the White Sox and uh, the, maybe the Padres and uh, the Blue Jays and they're going to use the old uh, let's wait for the 15 days before we bring up, you know, the Tatises and the Vlad Juniors and, uh, you know, the Eloy Jimenez is we're going to have more talk because I know that's one thing that the Players Union can't stand. No, they're you know absolutely going to wait the 15 days and uh, you know the first three weeks or two weeks what what have you to bring him up. It's just too big of an advantage not to do so. Yeah, and the union hates that. The one thing the union proposed was, hey, you can bring up a guy whenever you want, but if he finishes top three in rookie of the year or MVP or Cy Young, hmm. then he gets a full year of service time. So yeah, the, the you know the players and union hate that. Yeah, and, and you know it could cost you too if you're a. Uh, if, if you're a team that, that's on the verge of contention, by having a guy down for two weeks, you know, it might have cost you a game or two. The uh, agreement runs three more years. I've heard uh, some say recently, well, you know what, I don't know. I, th- I think the players are going to, you know, walk out uh, before then. There's not going to be, do you think there'll be a work stoppage before the end of uh, the three years remaining? How could there be? No, I mean, the only time you could, you know, have a stoppage is, yeah. you know, sometime, you know, in summer of uh, 2021. Right. You couldn't do that uh, beforehand. But, yeah, I don't see that. I mean, no, no. no player, you know, playing right now has ever been through a work stoppage. You know, nobody wants to lose their, lose their paychecks and stuff like that. So uh, I think it was different back in the day because those guys kind of grew up with work stoppages. You know, these, these guys haven't. So I, I don't see that happening. I really don't. Like Fred's pointing out, uh, final thoughts with Bob Nightingale. Check about USA Today. How, uh, you know, the, the players, okay, it's very odd, not odd. It's very interesting to note how the sabermetrics have shown everybody that once a player reaches a certain age, 28, 29, 30, you know, they normally, especially without PEDs, they'll normally start trending down. So, you know, which owner, what owner really wants to give seven years even to a 26-year-old guy? But the guys that really got hurt uh, were like a Chris Bryant who was an MVP, uh, and he was just doubting to get to arbitration. My quest, my idea is this, Bob and Fred, because there are going to be a lot of heavy negotiating in three years. How do we make this fair, more fair for everybody? What if you had... Probably crazy. What if you had arbitration for the six, first six years every year? In other words, let's say a rookie wins the MVP. Now, what's he going to get? He's going to go from five fifty to six fifty, hundred thousand, right? That's crazy. But what if you're also a guy that comes down has a bad year now, like Chris Bryant did last year? Would it be crazy on both sides? that you would say, you know, every year you go to arbitration. What could be more fair? The judge every year. You might get a big raise of two, three, four million. Then you have a bad year, you're right back down to the eight hundred thousand. Is that way out of out of the ballpark to even throw out? It makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean the owners would never go for that. You know, it's like a yeah, Mookie Betts. I mean, if you did arbitration every year with Mookie Betts mm. from day one, yeah. I mean, he might be making $100 million a year right now. You know, Chris Bryant would probably be making $40 million a year. Mm. You know, so just, yeah, the owners, <laughs> right yeah. now the players love arbitration. They hate free agency. So the owners certainly don't want to give up any more uh, arb- arbitration time because, you know, that's when, they, that's when the price tag really jumps up. Yeah, but if, if you're going to be dead meat when you're, 30, the player's going to say, well, listen, the first and second year money is not, this is what they're going to say. The first and second year money, if you're, you know, you're an all-star guy in your first or second year, the dough should be there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's why uh, guys, you know, want that bigger signing bonus, you know, when they're uh, drafted. Because they know, you know, once they get up there, right. they're not going to make any money for three years. And it's like, you know, we're talking about, you know, like Elo Jimenez and yeah. Vlad Guerrero and those guys. It's like they don't want to start the clock early because then you have to give them an extra year of uh, arbitration. Right. And that could cost an extra $15, 20000000 you know, by the time a, a player becomes a free agent. Yeah, we can only hope on the south side. <laughs> Bob, we appreciate <laughs> it. I want the fans to know uh, Bob Nightingale, always uh, a great sport when we once or twice a year. Uh, and he listens to our crazy ideas, too. Bob, come on, and absolutely, I'd be happy <laughs> to come on on your personal time at USA Today. So uh, have a great season, and uh, probably around uh, June, July, August, uh, we'll be giving you a call. Yeah, I'll come on with Murph and Fred. Those guys are crazy <laughs> enough to come on. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, always enjoy. Always enjoy, guys. Thank <laughs> So Thanks a million. Thanks, you, Bob. You, you too, Bob. See you later, Bob Nightingale. Yeah, you see, you see Bob a lot, and if you follow him on Twitter, he's yeah. always posting some great stuff. And he doesn't also, have to come on. No, you see him on the MLB Network quite often, and right. I watch, I watch MLB every morning, uh, two hours uh, with Ken Rosenthal, yeah. and they're breaking it down. And the latest in in baseball and Vascursion and Harold Reynolds, they do a great, great job. And um, you know, you, you see him pop up every once in a while, a couple times a week. You also see Phil Rogers pop up on there and a lot of guys that really know the game of baseball and give you the insight that, uh, heck, that I, I use on a daily basis here on the radio. It's great. Let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. I'm interested to find the results here. Excuse me, Eric, of uh, Twitter poll active right now, five years from now. Which will go down as the uh, worst trade, or you can say the better trade, whichever way you want to vote. The uh, uh, Theo Epstein trade where Jose Quintana came to the Cubs for young, young, young uh, Class A uh, minor leaguers, Eloy uh, Jimenez and uh, Dylan Cease, the flame-throwing right-hander to the White Sox. Or, a few years earlier, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Went from the White Sox as a young, probably Class A a guy or lower. I don't even know. He was only 17. Might have been been rookie league. He might have been rookie league. Whatever they called it back then. For, uh, you know, work hard starting pitcher needed at the time. Uh, uh, Shields, uh, James Shields. Both trades are going to be evaluated for years and years to come. Tatis from the Sox system, now ranked in the top five or top two or three with the Padres coming up, a, a third-base shortstop kid, uh, minor league, uh, coast uh, national report, second or third ranking often. And everyone's heard and is familiar with uh, Eloy and uh, with Dylan Cease, who the Cubs threw in thinking that his arm uh, troubles were going to come back. May or may not. We'll find out. Do we have anything? A close vote there? Just give us a hint there, Eric. Yeah, it's a pretty close vote. All right. It is pretty close. So if you yeah. had to guess which one won, what do you think? Well, I, 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 I don't know. Because people love Theo, and they may, even Cub fans would say they want to pile on the side. Was it written down as the worst? Yes. And so okay. the way I yeah. typed it is, in five years, which trade will be the worst? I'm going to go with the uh, uh, Quintana. 57% of the voters agree with you, Fred. Eloy yeah. and C's for Quintana. Okay. Yeah, the Tatis could be bad, uh, but, you know, like I said, Tatis was dealt when he was 17. Eli Jimenez was uh, a little bit older and uh, one of the top prospects in all of baseball when that trade was made. And you, um, you could say because it was two for one right. that that makes the uh, Cubs end of the Eloy and Dylan Cease, if he stays healthy, that's two for one. 
as opposed to, you know. Well, the White Sox actually, Tatis. believe it or not, the White Sox was two for one. But was it anybody of consequence? Well, he was a pitcher, Eric Johnson, that well, the White Sox had that was pitching. And okay. They thought maybe yeah. he'd be something. But I'm um, looking here. The Sox signed Tatis Jr. to a minor league contract mm-hmm. in July of 2015. And then uh, 11 months later, they traded him. So they only had him in their system for 11 months. He was still an unknown projection as opposed to most who would say Eloy had already come on the radar for most all scouting services. And he, he was, was 16 when they signed him, the White Sox. Okay. So, yeah, he, he was very, very young when they signed him originally. Yeah. ESPN 1000 got a soundbite from Dan Plezak earlier uh, in the week and uh, much, much more. I don't agree with Danny. Uh, Fred, I, I think you I do. Agree and, oh. I agree and disagree. Oh, cool. I do both. You're on both sides of the same teeter-totter. That's right. That's You're tough to do. Fred Fulcrum. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. having a great Saturday. Phone lines are jumping. If you're on hold, we'll get you right on the air. We also uh, have a interesting soundbite. Let's get to Fred from Dan Plesak. Join the boys. Waddle and Sylvie yes. yesterday. Yesterday. Yep. And uh, Dan Plesak, uh, I love him. It wasn't, the during, it wasn't during the season, so we didn't do the cubby, uh, the cubby horn. Woo-hoo. Yeah, right. he didn't do that yesterday. Uh, but uh, remember, uh, he was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he says this is the toughest time in baseball history to be a pitcher. There has never been a more difficult time to be a pitcher than in 2019. I'm just telling you. Every game that the umpires, they umpire, they're getting scrutinized. What balls were out of the zone, what balls were in the zone. There's more foul ter- There's less foul territory than ever before. The ballparks are smaller, but if guys want to keep swinging with this uppercut, swinging for the downs, but you know what, as an industry, just as bad because we reward, we reward 220, 35 homers, and 85 runs batted in. We sh- it's just the truth, though. I mean, the ballparks are smaller. There's no yeah. foul territory. Lower the mound. Where, throw from the outfield wall. Then maybe they can learn to get launch angle. Miss Give a, me a break. That's a little mess a lot. The great yeah. Danny Playsack. I agree with it, with most of his stuff. I mean, uh, they do reward people who swing for the fences, strike out 150, 160 times. Um, but I don't agree with this, this stuff about how the pitchers are being scrutinized. I think that they should call the computerized strike zone. Pitchers are, aren't going to like that because then a ball that's just off the corner is going to be called a ball. But at least the plays would all be called correctly. Um, but I agree with him. The, the whole thing about them, someone actually, they talked about moving the mound back. Of all the ideas, that's the dumbest. You can't move the mound back. Getting rid of—I don't care if you get rid of the mound altogether. Pitch off flat, a flat ground. Oh, what if you move the plate back? Why did you ever pitch off flat ground? In the why did you ever pitch off a mound in the first place? Who? Would, why did? Why didn't you throw off flat ground? They Who threw, invented the mound? Well, in the beginning, they all back in the eighteen eighties, they threw sidearm, and they just sort of slinged it, slung it. Yeah, they just sort of slung it up there. And I think later when they started throwing overhand, uh, it made more sense and more leverage. And the hitters were probably creaming the pitching back then because they just threw straight balls. Yeah, I mean, so I, they need, had to give. They, to answer your question, they probably had to give the pitchers a bigger advantage. 
In the, Forget that. In, in the 18... Wanted, I know, you want an advantage? Hey, let me ask you a question. They couldn't get anybody out, probably. Some people called it <laughs> swift. Some people called it wall ball. We called it fast pitching. Yeah. You played fast pitching, you're growing up against right. a wall. Uh-huh. You never stood on a mound. You pitched on a flat ground to the guy that was at the plate. I couldn't disagree more with Danny Pleasant. There has never been a more difficult time to be a pitcher. All right. than in I would say this. There's never been a more difficult time to be a hitter. And here's why I say it. They're all throwing 95 to 99. They're throwing sliders down and away. They're throwing high heat. And the pitchers have more video and information, intelligence, uh, intel. Not that they're smarter. The pitchers have more intel. But don't the hitters have that same no, intel? No. Okay. No, here, here's the way I would look at it, Fred. Okay. I would say, so the pitchers, they, they before the game or they have their meetings, they go, all right, now here. Here's uh, Ian Happ. Here's where he can't hit. Throw it here, throw it here, throw it here. Here's hot spot, hot spot, don't throw it there. 2-1 pitch, he likes to do this. The pitchers are armed with all this. Uh-huh. Now, the hitters, they do know that, okay, on a 2-0 count, men on base, uh, this pitcher will maybe most likely throw a fastball. Try, But see, the pitcher, I believe... They've a they they're throwing the hell out of the ball. The ball's dancing, moving. It's electric. Uh, it's harder, I believe, to be a hitter than ever before. And God love Danny. He knows more about that game than I. He played twenty years, and he well, but he was but, a pitcher though. But he was, <laughs> yes, he was. But he was a pitcher. He was a pitcher. Eric, I see you chopping at the bit. Did you want to come in on that, please? I think I, I'm agreeing with you. I think another reason. Hold pitching, on, wait, did I you know, just right? say that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, the main reason is is because of how bullpenning is now. Starting pitchers are expected to go five innings, maybe, right. and then you're specialized. So I'm just going to get all the lefties out as a pitcher. I'm just going to face righties as a pitcher. They don't have a challenge of facing the lineup for the third time or anything like that either as starters. Well, see, and that's why the rule of having the reliever come in and have to face at least three guys. Bye bye Lugie. Well, what the right? Bye bye Lugie, the uh, left hand, left handed one out guy. But also, and even Rob Manfred said this the other day. One of the rare, the few things I agree with him on. He said this would also allow starting pitchers who are basically the stars of baseball starting pitchers, he said, it allows them to maybe stay in a little bit longer and beyond the fifth or sixth inning and things like that. It's funny, someone posted yesterday that Greg Maddox one time had a 76 pitch complete game. Now 76 huh. pitches midway through the third inning. Jose about. Quintana in two innings. Unbelievable. So, I mean, you know, the whole thing, and I, I've not liked the whole stat about the third time, you know, that you face a guy. I mean, that that has popped up, and now it's like everybody in baseball wants to get rid of the pitcher before the third time they face him. You know what? If you got him out twice, figure out a way to get him out a third time. And you know, you know the only the time it really jumped up and bit me, and, yeah. and I think Cub fans felt the same way. A lot of them did is when they pulled Hendricks, right? Now in the fifth inning, I tend to agree with you right down the line. The only thing we have to put in as a possible hook to what you're saying, not give them the hook, right. but a uh, wrinkle, is that see the starting pitchers. Did not used to have as, as much stress on each pitch. They'd throw it a fastball, mm-hmm. they'd throw a slider, they'd throw a fastball, they'd goose it in there. Now, these guys, they're throwing full max 
stress every pitch. Now, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying this is the way it appears to be now, Fred. I believe that they're up to their 70 pitches, 80 pitches. They're throwing, they're throwing. I don't know if their arms or the pitch count allows them anymore. They're encouraged to, you know, five and dive, as they used to say. So I know what you're saying. Well, see, I mean, like, it's funny because Don Cooper, the White Sox uh, pitching coach. Old school. His goal is for their pitchers yep. to get to the seventh and eighth inning. I know. Not to get through the lineup twice, and then we'll get you out of the game. No, I understand. So, fully. you know, and, and, and if... If you can serve your pitches, well, that's it. Now that, that's exactly right. You don't have to strike everybody out. Okay, you I can know. let some guys hit the ball. Well, now you're changing the way. That's it, why you have eight fielders yeah, right. or seven fielders behind you. But that's not the way the thinking for the front office. I and didn't go to Harvard. See, I didn't go to Harvard. This is sabermetrics. Yale, just like sabermet. And see, Bob Nightingale, he wouldn't bite. I don't believe you can launch angle uppercut, if you will, launch angle and go oppo. It's he, funny. I he was, didn't bite on you. Yeah, I was watching uh, JT Real Mudo after the, the trade the other day from the Marlins to the yeah. Phillies, and he is a complete launch yeah. angle guy. Every single swing, you can tell he's a launch angle guy, and it's worked for him. I don't know. See, I didn't see any of the highlights. They All the highlights yeah. they showed of him, like the most highlights, is him jacking the ball. Because I threw in, like, Braun, like Braun you know. <laughs> Not a fan, but Braun, he can take that outside pitch, lift it, launch angle to right center. Uh But I believe that's why, you know, and Bob kept saying, you know, just go the other way. I don't know if it's that easy anymore, the way these guys are throwing 98 to a lefty down and in. And it's it's not that easy anymore. Well, it is if you go oppo. It is if you eliminate the launch angle. Just make contact. Yeah. Because, and that's what basically See, that's, that's what a lot of people are doing well, saying. Just make contact to the Dan Plesak. Yeah. I don't think it's ever it's never been harder to hit. Therefore, it would st- if, if that's true, which I don't know. That's just my opinion. Well, and Bob then Nightingale be, then it'd be harder to go out though. If it's, the one thing about Bob Nightingale when he's mentioned the Red Sox, and the one thing he he left out is the Red Sox do believe in launch angle, but when there's two strikes, mm-hmm. they right. put the ball in play. I, I go with you there. Last year, that's the one thing, and Joe Madden has been yelling for the Cubs to do this for the last two years. Uh-huh. The Cubs do not put the ball. He his, his phrase is move the ball around. I know the Cubs don't move the ball around. When they got two strikes, they would still look for the launch angle. And then when Theo said in the post game postseason press conference, he still believes so much in launch angle you got to be as a cup fan part of you's got to be worried because the strikeouts are not going to go down he just wants everybody to launch the ball hit home runs and hit the 220 and get the 35 homers and i would i'd rather if if i'm you if you're, i'm a cup fan i want to see the guys put the ball in play and in general it's move the, the ball around it's almost impossible says. in my opinion to go oppo if they're busting you inside with 99 heat I love baseball. Or if you're a lefty and I'm a right hand throwing a slider down and in at about 94 and it's it's yakking at you, explodes like a firecracker, as uh, Don Cooper used to used to say. I don't know it's that easy to go oppo anymore. Murph and Fred. Damn Lenny Zabrowski cut me my senior year. Otherwise, who knows what could have happened. And he couldn't hit either, I bet. <laughs> well, he probably did. <laughs> Back in the flash. I know he was very good at, at putting the cut list up. <laughs> I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. 1,000. Lightning round. Tip of the phone, Fred. We'll get you in, we'll get you out. 
First up oh. is Izzy the Mailman in Chatham. Hello, Izzy. Hey, happy Saturday, guys. Go. Man, I hate to be on the lightning round. I wish I could have took my time at this point, but I'll try to be as brief Ten as possible. seconds almost up, Izzy. Hang <laughs> Let's on. go, Izzy. Put him back on hold. Get your thoughts ready to go. Brian's in Antioch. Go. Hey, this is, guys, just wanted an idea for the uh, pitching to help speed up the game as well. If the batter couldn't, uh, once he steps in the batter's box, has to stay in the batter's box. Yes. Pitcher then can pitch as fast as he wants once yes. he has the ball. Speeds up the game, plus gives the pitcher a little more of an advantage. Thank you. Fred, I don't have a problem Fred, with that. Instead of put that rule in, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. They put the rule in. Yeah, you can't the leave the then they need to enforce it because yeah. they didn't but, well, all I, last year. No, yeah. but the rule is in. Right. Well, then enforce it. Well, there right. you go. They also had a twenty-five uh, second rule for pitchers to pitch, and they didn't enforce that either. Yeah, there's a so. lot of rules that they don't enforce, which then brings chaos. Yeah. As Cosmo Kramer once said, Without Daytona rules. Beach, Henry, go! Without rules. Guys, I overslept. I'm sorry, but I wanted to call in about baseball and the Great Bowl season. But then Eric convinced me to tell you guys that the Blackhawks only two points out of the eighth seed, which actually matters in this sport, not like in basketball. Go Hawks! Here they come, baby! Big two game points, tomorrow. Two points on a wild card. Unfortunately, the Blues have three. Well, and there's three teams tied with them in too. Hand. So that makes it tough. But I think the Blues have uh, f- played fewer than anyone, so they have more opportunity to uh, catch up. Let's go to uh, John in Rolling Meadows. Hello, Johnson. Go. Okay, real quick, guys. You know, uh, I my I was thinking earlier. Uh, Bryant's already told the Cubs that he wants to test the market next year. What do you bet that he's going to team up somewhere with Harper because their wives are friends, they're friends, and I think they do want to play together at some point. Look for him to sign a contract wherever Harper goes. Well, next but year. That, yeah, That's a couple years. Yes still. and no, but thanks. But the Cubs control him still. A couple more years, yeah. Three more years, I want to say. Yeah. Because of the uh, clock. Well, sometimes couples are threesomes. Okay. What? Yeah. Let's go to uh, Izzy. All right, Izzy. Sorry, man. Go. All right, I'm ready. Phillies have the biggest problem because they don't have their pitches called for them. Pitchers have their pitches called for them so they can adjust to what a hitter's expecting of them. The hitters may not may expect something, but they may get it differently called by the manager or the, or the catcher to get it thrown to them. So hitters have it more difficult. So you uh, disagree. Well, please act. Maybe it is still the toughest time for a pitcher, but it's just as tough, if not tougher, for a hitter. So uh, yeah, that, I love it. Izzy, you're the best. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. The one thing that I was confused by in baseball, and I actually think that I was wrong for a few years, is the pitchers, the managers don't call the pitches until men get on base. And then the catcher looks over. For the most part, catchers call the game. In fact, I think the catchers call the pitches almost all the time. Yeah, and the only time over more for pitch outs and things like that. Yeah, pitch outs because the the catcher can tell if the hitter's feet are moving, like he's a little closer, uh, farther back. So, if at all possible, you want your catcher to make all the calls. Catcher will make all the calls, even though you see him looking over to the side. But that's usually with men on base, like you said, for pitch outs and other things. So, got three things I want to wet wet. The fire hydrant like a dog for territory for next week. The Cubs TV deal with Sinclair, not a done deal. I hear Fox. Sinclair, the, but that big dinosaur? Fox is sniffing around. No, that's far from a done deal. Uh, my designated hitter idea, simply eliminate the nine hole, one through eight. What? We'll work on that next week. It makes don't laugh yet till you think about it. I'm laughing already. And why do you need a draft if you have a salary cap? What? Think about that. Huh. We were too busy to get everything in. 
Murph and Fred want to thank our uh, guests. Bob Verde, thanks from the Blackhawks. Randy Merkin uh, did a great job talking golf to Flagstick. And Bob Nightingale, baseball man over at USA Today. Yeah, thanks, Eric Ostrowski. I'll be back tomorrow with Black and Abdallah. They're already getting ready to talk basketball. We'll probably talk about that Virginia-Duke game. You can hear later on today right here on ESPN 1000. And I'll be looking for people out at the Westmont Winter Brew Fest. Uh, a little bit later on this afternoon. Murph and Fredson, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.